<laughs> and then I just stuffed the bald guy right into his mouth and said, Silence, Cleveland! <laughs> it works every time. Oh, welcome back to. Well, welcome for the first time to episode 135. Because every episode is someone's first episode. Of Welcome Back to. The Big Damn Cast. Yes. Editor's note. You can find out what we're talking about if you listen to issue 423. <laughs> I do miss those editor's notes. They pop up every now and again, but they're not such a thing anymore. Well, I've been, I was just saying to you, I've been reading Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man from the start. The, the, mm. the run that started in, what, 2017? Yeah, the Chip Zdarsky run. And yeah. he does it too much. I like, he does it as a gag, and that then is, keeps happening. That is... Chip Zdarsky's sense of humour. Yeah. Like, that's like, straight up his sense of humour. It's like, dude, pull back, pull yeah, back. You've, you've got me interested in this really cool new version of the Vulture. Like, pull back. Say new version. They just put a helmet on him. There is, I'm, I mean, catching <laughs> up on, on Dan Slott's Spider-Man, on Dan Slott's Fantastic Four, yeah. his, his current Fantastic Four run. And one, one of the early issues, um, part of the Fantastic Four getting back to the 616, yeah. is they call up all the members of the Fantastic Four, past and present. Okay, it's like She-Hulk, Herbie... Everyone. Lady Thing. All the replacement <laughs> things, Lady Thing, She-Hulk, everyone. Is she all, still the, stuck in that suit then? The, is that a the thing? New, the new Fantastic Four, for the Ghost Rider Wolverine. <gasps> gonna, yeah, oh, um, snap. Spidey? Spidey involved? Spidey, oh, Spidey's always involved. Um, but Iceman's there. Oh, I. Sman? Uh, Iceman. Sman. Sman. Um, Old Bobby Sman. And Johnny Storm <laughs> is furious because he is adamant that that one time does not make him a full member. Oh, is it like a one-time stand-in? Brilliant. And he's act- <laughs> and it's actually Dan's seeding for a future story. <laughs> because we haven't seen that story. Oh! And he makes explicit reference in it to the fact that we've not <clears throat> seen that story yet. And we will see it. Okay, that makes me happy. At some point next year? Oh, quick question. I've just yes. randomly remembered. Frightful Four. Yes. Was Medusa a member of the Frightful Four at one point? I read their first appearance last night. Oh, was Medusa in it? Yes. Why? Because she was created before any of the Inhumans. Oh, so she was retroactively... When she joins the Frightful... Oh, fucking hell. We've gone off on a tangent before. We've got right, right, right. So, so, so first, no, it's first, fine. First Frightful it's Four lineup. Uh, which is, is like Wizard. It's like issue... It's like FF36 or something, or 35. Uh, it's it's Wizard, Wizard, Medusa, Medusa, Sandman, Sandman and Pace Pop Pete. Pace Pop Pete. He's still Pace Pop Pete <laughs> at that point. He's not going by the Trapster yet. Right. <laughs> and Sandman is in his weird... Fantastic Four only costume at this Where point. Where he's purple. Yeah, and he's got like an outfit. It's exactly the same, <clears throat> like, uh, um, line-wise as his classic look, but it's just all purple. Yeah. And then it, and then he appears in Avengers, because he becomes an Avenger at one point, didn't he? We're talking like late 70s, early 80s. And he's in yeah, sort and... of a green version of that same kind of outfit. Yes. And neither of these outfits have ever made an appearance in his main book, Spider-Man. Yes. Ever. But when when he's got his own life outside of Spider Man's circle, okay, he doesn't need to conform to when Wizard, Spidey's desires. The filth. When Wizard goes to recruit Medusa <laughs> in uh, in <laughs> FF thirty six or thirty five, I'm, I'm, you know what? I've got it on my tablet <laughs> right here. I, it's in because it's in the. Um, <laughs> I've got hold of 
epic oh, collection. It's straight up on new thing already. That's that's their next appearance. Oh god! For those wondering, um, uh, you're listening to Big Damn Cast. Yes. I'm Chris Johnson. The lovely man to my right, or in your left ear, is Matthew uh, Watson. Uh, Pace Pop Pete by any other name. <laughs> we are um, going to be talking about some new releases, the Oscar buzz, a bit of Netflix news. Matt's going to lose his mind over Glass. Um, oh, so much. Plus uh, some of your input towards Thend, because, Thend. you know, we, we do love you, but, you know, wait your turn. End. Uh, but first... Um, um, this is from this is the volume three of the Fantastic Four Epic Collections, which is... Um, is that Wizard and his civvies? No, no, that's a different right. story. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was going to say, trying to find... dude with the similar moustache and a purple-green colour scheme. I'm on the page preview trying to find the Medusa's first appearance. Um, because it is. I was playing Lego Marvel Superheroes last night, and, and there's a lot of Inhumans mm, content in there. Like, there's a lot of Inhumans. It's almost content. like they were really trying to make the Inhumans a thing for a while. And it's not bad content. It, I'd argue it's better than the. I'd argue it's. I'd argue it's better than um, the MCU take on the Inhumans. I, well, mostly because one of Black Bolt's super moves is he just sort of goes. I mean, <clears throat> and that creates like a ripple that knocks people back it, for miles. Being kicked up the backside is better than being kicked in the dick, so. That's true. Dragon Man! Dragon Man! Hey, Dragon Man! God, I love Fantastic Four. And then so good. Yes, Diablo. Diablo brings Dragon Man to life, and then it's, I think it's the next issue. Diablo. Oh, Diablo. Yeah, Frightful Four. Diablo, Diablo is the alchemist. Uh, yes. Yeah. So yeah, it, again, it's, purple and green. It's thirty-six. <laughs> They're all purple and green. They're all purple. They're all purple and green. All purple and green. Oh we'll get to that later on. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I see. Um, purple and yeah. green. Fantastic Four thirty-six. Fan- Frightful Four. First. Um, I'm sorry. What's Medusa swinging from? Her hair. Yeah, but from what? Just her and hair. She doesn't mind Pace Pop Peach. Pace Pop Peach is hanging it. off her hair. Um, For those who don't know, Medusa is someone with yeah. like. Uh, Set, uh, uh, sentience the wrong word. Uh, like tactile, uh, poseable hair that is oh, super oh. strong, and she can use it to attack people. This is her and... original origin. Oh my god! Pre-inhumans. Oh, so they retcon this later. Yes. Okay. This is wizard. I had heard rumours of her for years. Finally, I went to the small Mediterranean island where she had been last seen. I found that the police were also on her trail. Take cover, stranger! There is much danger in this place! Where is Francois? She's going to escape us again! We have a trap now! I am here, Mon Capitan! But help! She has caught me! Come quick! And it's this police guy getting dragged into this cave by hair. <laughs> by some hair. <laughs> and, and it's just like, Fool, it is I, Madame Medusa, who has trapped you! Of what use are your clumsy guns and fists against my unconquerable hair? Trust us. It, it is cool. It can be cool, guys. It can really be... Medusa is a very cool visual character, which the MCU well, yeah, failed to understand. I, I also read um, the Fantastic Four <laughs> wedding special recently. Oh, yes. Because Alicia and Ben are finally getting married. Um, and there is a, there is a, Alicia's hen knight. Oh, snap. With Medusa and Crystal and um, Sue Storm and... Uh, Jen Jennifer Walters, um, hey, who's, and who's She Hulk for those who don't know, and the other people who I'm not as familiar with. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> other other folk, other, other folks, other who don't seem to be superhero-y types. Other they just seem to be people. Look at um, these woms. Yeah, like look at these woms. Her art school friends and stuff. Who who are the who are the who are the men's who go out on the stag? You don't I've not seen the stag. <laughs> it's not in the the wedding special. 
Oh, okay. So it might be in the issue proper. <laughs> you see uh, you see Johnny going out to get snacks for it and booze. <laughs> it's just a weird thought, isn't it? But yeah. Johnny Storm going out to get booze. Why not? In full flame on mode. Well, that's a terrible decision. That, that doesn't be sensible. That's a fucking awful decision. Speaking of terrible decisions... Eh? Um, they're doing another Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> and it's being hosted by the concept of hosts. The concept of hosts. All hosts. Yeah, there's no there's no, um, there's no, uh, confirmation yet, is there? But I think the, the last thing that we heard was it was going to be... Instead of having a host, it was going to have segments and essentially each, each award... Um, set up was going to be just a little bit longer with a bit more spiel from the yeah, guests yeah. who were presenting the award. Probably. That's probably a smart call, but it also means that they'll probably never do an Oscar host ever again if they get into a pattern with this. It's almost like we don't need one. It's also like it's almost like we don't need this whole thing! Don't tell anyone. Especially not Harvey Weinstein. Oh, uh, no, oh it doesn't anymore. matter. It doesn't matter about <laughs> Harvey. He's been cancelled. Um, so here is the list of nominations <laughs> oh, for <laughs> the Oscars 2019, the 91st Annual Academy Awards, which is going to take place on February 24th. So it's still like oh, just over a month away. And we can all um, watch it in the UK at two in the through an illegal stream at <laughs> two in the morning. Or do what I've done for the last like five years since doing that just once. And just waking up in the morning, looking at the news. <laughs> just, and going, yeah, check oh, Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Best Picture. Eight nominees in this category, because it's been fairly fluid for the last few years. Yeah, it's gone, from, there like, was it's gone talk, from like five to ten to... There was talk of doing a Best Popular Film category this year. Yeah, and the belief was that was to cater to films like Black Panther that, yes. that people felt the Oscars would be too sort of snobby about. Um, but but they didn't do that. No, and they just straight up nominated Black Panther for Best Picture as well. They should. Do um, I think it deserves to be nominated the Best Picture as a film? Maybe not. Yeah. I really dig that movie, but I, I'll hear what the rest of the list is. Um, Black Klansman. Okay, yeah. Right, which dark I, which dark I really comedy love. based on real events. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Nope. Nope. Get to fuck. The favorite. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I've, heard, I've heard good stuff. But put it this way. The notion of a film where Olivia Coleman plays the main character winning Best Picture is something that makes me very happy. Simply because I, I think she's back... the main character, but she is, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think I think back to, yeah, I think back to her being like, you know, one of the cast on like that Mitchell and Webb look, and the thought that she's now like yes. the face of a potential Oscar winning Best Picture makes me very happy. Yes, um, hit me, um, with others. hit me, uh, Green Book. Yeah, oh, the, 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 the film of Viggo Mortensen really put his fucking foot in it this last week. Oh, God, I've not even seen this. Yeah, someone, someone basically said, like, oh, do, no. you, do you think, like, it's a white filmmaker, like, white writer, white director, do you think it's their place to oh, tell this no. story? And he, he makes a comment... What did you say, Viggo? He, he makes a comment that basically is, and it's at a round table with other filmmakers, and, like, Chadwick Boseman's, like, at the table, his facial reaction to this is amazing. Oh. Um, they basically, he basically says... It's an amazing story, and like if a, if a black gentleman had seen the story of, of a white person in real life and was like, "I really want to tell that story," why should we stop them from telling that story? And it's like, right, I can uh, I can see what point you're trying to make, Vigo. I can see what point you're trying to make, but no, sit down, Vigo. <laughs> sit. Stop it, Vigo Mortensen. Um, so yeah, because yeah, it's like yeah. I, I see what you're trying to say. But what you should say is, I'm just happy we got to tell the story, and you know, this is this take. Hopefully, someone else will have a go at it another time, and whatever. And I think we get the point across, and blah blah blah. The culture is more important, 
in the overall thing here and yeah I think the director's done a really good job but it, the, the piece speaks for itself say that just say that and move the fuck on yes don't don't say that like real life stories can be appropriated with such casual ease please Vigo please but... he's Vigo we are like the buzzing of flies to him apparently so um <laughs> Um, I still want to see it, to be fair. I still want to yes. see the Green Book. Uh, closing out cat- category, we have Roma, which I know naff all about. Um, a Star is Born, because of course. Um, a Star is Beyond. And and Vice, because they love a movie where Christian Bale gets all fucked up. <laughs> and looks weird. But now he's doing an impression of Dick Cheney. Um, so, <laughs> so not that far removed from his own mentality, well, I suppose. really. Well, they did a thing, like the Vice marketing team did a thing on Twitter the other day of like, what does, what's Dick Cheney's thoughts on Brexit? And it's like an in-character from, like, handwritten note from the Dick Cheney of Vice, not the real oh, Dick so, Cheney so of, Chris, of... so Christian Bale wrote these little n- things No, 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 or... it's just a marketing thing. Oh. But it's just like, oh, please they don't. think it's cute to make Dick Cheney a wacky character. Brexit. It's like, fuck off. Um. So that's the best pic- pic- picture. Best director noms. Um, Alfonso Cuarón for Roma. Um, I mean, I like Alfonso Cuarón's yeah, direction. So, but I know nothing about Roma. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike Lee for Black Klansman. Yeah, I think he's his first best director nomination. Yeah, first best director nom. Hot diggity. Um, so fingers crossed for him on that one. Adam McKay for Vice. Um, Hang I don't on. Te- technically he'd be nominated for it being his joint. I'd, right. Well, quite. Spike Lee joined. Hey. Hey. Uh, and oh. uh, Pavel Polakowski, I think I'm saying that right, um, for Cold War. Again, ah, I know nothing about. Not Look up Cold War for me. Um, Cold War. Best actress. Uh, me. Yelitsa Aparicio for Roma. Okay. Uh, Glenn Close for The Wife. Olivia Coleman for The Favourite. Is she The Favourite? Um, and Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me you know saw the trailer for that really want to see it mm. because it, it mm. I hate I hate lie revealed stories I think they're really boring we've seen them a million times it's the same it's a it's a very tried tested and like now boring emotional journey of it's the same journey every time however something about the trailer hers and Richard E. Grant's performances make yes. me really want to see this yes um Best actor. Oh, this is a yawn fest. Christian Bale for Vice. Yawn. <laughs> fest. Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born. Fest. Yawn. William Defoe at Eternity's Gate. What? Uh, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, fair yeah. enough. Like, if you're going to give an award to that film, that kind of has to be it. Yeah. Uh, make sure the performance outlives the movie. And Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. Don't let him make a speech. <laughs> Best supporting actress. Oh, by the way, Cold War is a Polish historical period drama film. Okay. Cool. cool. Um, best supporting actress, Amy Adams for Vice. Marina de, Marina de Tavira for Roma. Uh, Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. And Emma he would Stone. would say, ow, stop walking on me. Yes. That's a stolen joke. Uh, that's <laughs> terrible. Emma Stone for The Favourite. And Rachel Vice for The Favourite. Oh, that's it. So Ooh, a double favourite. A double favourite. <laughs> Um, Heightens the chances of that movie being an Oscar-winning film as well, then. Yes. Yes. Um, best supporting actor, we got uh, Mahashala Ali for Green Book. 
Nice. Uh, Adam Driver for Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. Sam Elliott for A Star Is Born. Richard yeah. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Sam Rockwell for Vice. Could this be Sam Rockwell's year finally? Probably not, because it never I bloody is. Fucking love Adam Driver to get it though. Um. Yes. Best original screenplay. The favorite. No. For Deborah Debra Davis and Tony McNamara. I'm not seeing um, it. <laughs> no. Paul Schrader first reformed. I, I don't know. If, like the, my problem with the favorite is it doesn't end. It just finishes. Um, Green Book, Nick Vallelonga, Brian Hayes, Curry, and Peter Farrelly. Um, Roma, Alfonso Cuaron, and Vice, Adam McKay. I think we might need to see Roma. And we also, Roma. It's, the, it's the typical Oscars thing. It's the typical Oscars thing of every year there's like five movies that the ceremony sucks the dick of. And but, it's because uh, these are the yet. movies. Yeah, these are the movies that have been sold the biggest by the producers in the studio yep. personally to the Academy. That's yep. why. That's not, not to take away any quality from the films. I know, you look at Vice and you go, that is an award bait movie. Oh, God, yeah. Like American Hustle was a couple of years back. Yeah. We're like, all oh, the performances look, because they yes. all look so different, and they're in period stuff, and isn't Christian Bale fat? What was it? What was, uh, the, what was the one that... Oldman got the nomination stuff for everything last year. Oh, um, uh, Darkest Hour. Darkest Hour. It was Gary Oldman doing his best acting. He's in Winston Churchill drama. And a lot of it's the timing. You'll notice a lot of the movies yeah. that going up the best picture yeah. came out in the month and a half before the Oscars yeah. because they want it to be fresh in the minds of the Academy as they go, oh shit, the deadline's here. I've not put my vote in yet. Because they're all old, dusty, white dudes. You know, apparently uh, the deadline for it was like a month ago, I think. Oh, okay. For, for getting the submissions in from the majority of the Academy. Yeah. Uh, and as such... Um, Stan and Ollie lost out on this year. Yeah, just missed it. Vice isn't even out over here yet. That's right. It got it got Golden Globe noms, so hmm. it's very good, is what I'm getting. So spoilers for later. It's very. We're gonna good. get to Stan and Ollie. <laughs> it's um, very good. Best adapted screenplay. <laughs> uh, Star is born. Eric Rothwell fights Brad Cooper. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Joel and Ethan Cohen. Oh, a Netflix um, a film. Yes, nice. Well, I think it must have got a cinematic release for it to be eligible, though, because that was the whole thing with uh, yeah. Behind the Candelabra a few and, years and, back, uh, and it was Uja, an Ouija or whatever it was yeah, called, yeah. the Ocha, whatever it's called, the one about the animal. Ocha, Ocha, that's it. Um, um, yeah, because so. that was the thing that he had like screening screenings after the deadline or something like that, so it missed out on something. I can't remember now. Yes, but yeah, I mean, hey. It films are films, you know what I'm saying? And the way they're distributed just changes um, how people yes. get them. But if they're still a motion picture, then go for it. Yes. My um, straight to DVD thing should be eligible as well. Yes. So Nicolas Cage can have 80 films in the hilarious. running. Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Black Klansman, Charlie Vactor, David Rabinowitz with Kevin Wilmot and Spike Lee. Uh, if Beale Street Could Talk, Barry Jenkins, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Nicole Hoffelsener, and Jeff Whitty. Um... Let's make up a hairstyle. Yeah, let's, let's whiz through the technical uh, uh, ones. Let me guess, Dick Cheney's um, in there though, isn't he? Oh yeah. Of course he fucking is. Vice. Only three films! Yeah, Vice, uh, Mary Queen of Scots, because they made uh, Margot Robbie look like Lena Headey. Um, <laughs> and... But Lena Headey, like, under layers of makeup. Yeah. Like, Lena Headey does not look pasty white and No. Crusty. No. <laughs> um, and Border, which is that weird Scandinavian film about possibly the missing link yeah. but they don't know that the missing link they just think they're ugly oh. the movie board did a review of it I need to watch that it's mm, uh, I think I need not to the film it. the review yeah I think um, I need to watch the film uh, best costume designs Buster Scruggs Black Panther Black yes Panther. Um, Mary Poppins Returns as well yes that is a gorgeous looking film and the costumes uh, yes. are amazing in it Mary Queen of Scots everyone wears frocks uh, so <laughs> is that the full title so most costume design um, and 
the favourite, again, most costume design, because fucking look at that picture of Nicholas Holt in a wig. Oh, Jesus wept. I love that. It's like, best costume design and award for the most, the most. costume design. Like, the best for the technical awards often mean the most. The um, fucking most awards go to. Best cinematographer, not most cinematographer. <laughs> uh, the favourite, Never Look Away, Roma, A Star Is Born, Cold War. Sure. Um... Best, Best original, original song. song. Okay, hit me. Uh, All the stars from Black Panther. Oh, really? Music by Mark Spears, Kendrick really? Lamar. That's interesting because that that's the least Kendrick Lamar song on the soundtrack, yes. and he's like the curator of the soundtrack. Yes. Then again, it is a great song. I would, I would like um, to see that win. I'll fight from RBG, mm-hmm. which is, I think, is a thing for about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. All oh, right. Um, because that's who's in the picture. Uh, yeah. The Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns. Really? Is that the only one from Mary Poppins Returns nominated? Yep. See, I would have put The Cover Is Not The Book, which is the breakout sequence in the film. That's a shame, that. Um, that, that, that song's really sweet. It's just a melancholy kind of... Well, that'd be why. They stay love fucking melancholy kind of stay awake songs. Like, mm. They love that shit at the Academy. They're nothing if not predictable. Uh, Shallow from A Star Is Born. Yeah, and, oh, that's gonna get it. And when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings from the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Ah, no, Shallow's um, gonna get it, of course. Uh, best original score. Okay. Uh, Black Panther, Ludwig mm-hmm. Göransson, Black Klansman, Terrence Blanchard, If Beale Street Could Talk, Nicholas Bratel, Isle of Dogs, Alexandra Desplat, and Mary Poppins Returns. Mark that could go any way. I've not heard Isle of Dogs, but Black Panther soundtrack in terms of the score is astounding. Like yeah. it is gorgeous. The Afrofuturism theming in it is beautiful. In all aspects of the production design. Oh yeah, but but in that score, like you can listen to the isolated score and it's just it's a whirlwind. I think Mary Poppins will get that simply because it's very old Hollywood. Yes, and, and they and love it that. It works shit. really well in the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, it's, a dick, it's a dick. It's a dick sucking move from the Academy. Definitely. Um, best documentary feature. I don't know any of these. <laughs> Free Solo, Hale <laughs> County This Morning, This Evening, Minding the Gap, of Fathers and Sons, and RBG. Which is, de- yeah, it's definitely a Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing. Um, oh, so the original song will be a song commissioned for the documentary. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, best animated feature. Okay, hit me. Incredibles 2. Mm-hmm. Isle of Dogs. Mm-hmm. Mar- Marai. Oh, is that the one where the, the, the little brother and his sister dies and then she could No, uh, his sister visits him, but it's her in the future. I have his little baby no sister visits him in the future. Idea. If so, it looks really cool. <laughs> um, Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> And Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. If Spider-Verse doesn't get it, it'll be a fucking travesty. But I guarantee I it won't get it. The only the only film in there that might have a chance of, ta- of taking it from Spider-Verse legitimately mm. is probably Isle of Dogs. And I haven't seen Isle of Dogs, but I know Wes Anderson's work and I know that the Academy kind of have a soft spot for him. Yeah. And also um, just stop motion yes. to that degree of, yeah. of technical execution should always be celebrated. That being said, if you're going off of what's the best movie there, as well as what is visually the best thing in terms of animation, it's Spider-Verse. Yeah. Like, it's spite of it. The yeah. experimentation done to make that thing is astounding. You bastards. You bastards. <laughs> you big old bastards. Um, <laughs> you dirty old bastards. Best foreign language film. None of these that we don't... I mean, we've heard about Cold War and Roma, because they've been all over the place. Yeah. Uh, Capanum, Never Look Away, Shoplifters, Cold War... No, don't know, don't know. I don't know. Don't know foreign language films. What do you want me to say? Um, <laughs> Something in a foreign language. Go. Yes. Uh, best... Me, Bella. Pasta, pasta. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, <laughs> Best sound mixing, uh, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm First Man, Roma, Star is Born. This is all 
technical stuff. No one cares about these, apart from uh, sound editors. Sound best sound editing, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, Quiet Place, Roma, etc., etc. Et Quiet Place. I mean, come on, if a Quiet Place doesn't get that, yeah. Oh my god! And mo- mostly, mostly because a it is beautifully executed sound editing, and b because the majority of the work is like complete silence. Yes, <laughs> and that would be wonderful if they're like, yeah, we got the Oscar yes. for doing half a film. I like That'd it. Be great. I like it. Uh, best production design. I'm surprised that's the only one a quiet place is up for. Uh, so far, I don't know if it comes up again later. Uh, best production design: Black Panther, mm-hmm. The Favorite, mm-hmm. First Man, mm-hmm. Mary Poppins Returns. Mm-hmm. And Roma. Just give it to Black Panther, guys. Just yep. give it to Black Panther. Just give it to Black Panther. Uh, best visual effects. Um, this is where all the popular movies go. Uh, yeah. Avengers: Infinity War. Yes, please. Christopher Robin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, against Avengers, no. Avengers beats it, but yes. First Man. Uh, I've not seen it, but couldn't judge. Ready Player One. Does this award also consider best as the fucking most? Yeah, if it does, Ready Player One's got this. Yeah, probably. And what's the what's the last nom? Solo, a Star Wars story. Isn't that a shot? Well, that's interesting because Solo and Ready Player One both suffer from the same thing. They're under a filter. Ready Player One's under a purple yes. filter, and Solo's under an orange filter for the majority of its movie. Yes. Uh, um, shame. Best film editing: Black Landsman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Vice. It should not go to Bohemian Rhapsody again. <laughs> best editing is not most editing. That <laughs> um, film had the most edits. Um, best animated short: Animal Behavior, Bow, Late Afternoon, One Small Step, and Weekends. Not seen these, but what I love about the most best animated short nomination is it usually means I end up going to watch all of them to see what the deal the is. The only one I've seen is Bow. Because that's the one that was before Incredibles 2. Oh, the dumpling! Yeah. Yes, no, I have seen that. That, yes, is, that, that was very is, good. Mm, that is something. Um, <laughs> Would you say it was sweet and yet savoury? Yeah. Best live action like short. Best live action short. Detainment, Fauve, Marguerite, Mother and Skin. Now, there's been some controversy about this because Detainment is a dramatisation... Of the murder and the apprehension of the murderers of James Bulger using right. the original police transcripts. Oh, that's it's pissed some people off. Yeah, that's understandably fucking uncomfortable. Um, best documentary short: Black Sheep, Endgame, Lifeboat, Night the Garden. Period. End of sentence. And that's. It period end of sentence. That's all of them. That's literally um, the last nomination on the list. Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean. Black Panther is seven getting some noms. recognition. Seven noms for seven, Black seven Panther. Seven nom 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 The Oscars! Black Panther. Do they matter? No! But they gave us something to talk about in January! Hollywood! Glitz and glamour, boys and girls! Glitz and glamour! Christopher! Matstopher! Shazam! Don't say it out loud, you'll transform into... Uh, will I transform into or back to? Well, you're a man-child, so technically, I guess you'd transform into a child with the mind of a man. A child-man. Oh, God, that sounds horrific. <laughs> um, new trailer came out. Yes. It uh, it's looks like a preview fun. thing, isn't it? It's like yeah, a... Watch it's our, like a little... Look at our new movie, Shazam! It's oh. like... 
Speaking of which, fucking... (laughs) Before we get... I want to see Glass last night. Yeah. The trailers part of the pre-show opened with James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez talking about Battle Angel. Yeah. And how amazing it's going to be. Right. And how James Cameron wanted to do it for so long, but then he got all caught up in doing loads of avatars. And the only person he trusted to do it was Robert Rodriguez after Robert Rodriguez... Proved Made that spike he had a thing days. for the. <laughs> and it's just them sucking each other's dicks about how great this film's going to be, and then you get another short trailer for it afterwards yeah. with Robert Rodriguez going, "Yo, book tickets for Battle Angel Alita, and you'll get a free poster." What? And I was like, "Fuck off!" This feels so desperate. Yep. Which is weird because the first People... and second trailer for that movie. Make it look really interesting. People really want us to go and see Battle Angel. Battle Angel. 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 put back like twice. Yeah. But once for production reasons and once for rescheduling. Yeah. Plus the 10 or so years that James Cameron's been trying to get it made prior to that. It does look, it does look really cool. It looks interesting. We'll, but we'll talk about that. But I ain't running to get that free poster, son. (laughs) We'll talk, we'll talk about that when we get to it. Uh, Anyway, back to, um, Shazam trailer. Yeah. Yes. This looks fun as fuck. Yes, We've already said this after Comic-Con last year, that the Shazam, Shazam's tone is perfect. <laughs> and it's pissing a lot of people off. A lot of people going like, it looks really dumb. It's like, yes. Yeah. It's Shazam. Do the what same the people, fuck do you do want? Do the same people read Captain Marvel Shazam comics and go, oh my God, yeah, this is like the coolest, most badass think, thing ever. Or do they go, this is really fun. I think those people are, are the people whose only exposure to Shazam has been... Captain Marvel in Kingdom Come. Or his face being melted off in Injustice. Oh, oh, all, all that. He gets the yeah, best yeah. death in that story. Yeah, there is Terrific. that. Terrific. Um, um, yeah, let's, let's not. No. Let's, let's not, let's not go dark and gritty with, with Shazam. I would like to buy some of your finest beer, please. <laughs> Fuck it. He's just got it spot on. So He's just great. got the tone spot on. It's so great. My favorite, my favorite Shazam to this point, and this was very much going down that same route. To me, is the one uh, we meet in Young Justice, especially the two episodes where he's put in charge of looking out after the group, like he's the he's the league <laughs> member who's looking out for them, and it's it's so good, it's so good because the show no point prior to that explains who he is or what his no, deal is. No, no, no. So the the, the teens because Young Justice is effectively like a different version of Teen Titans. Yeah, aren't um, they? Won't they all be older than him? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. And, and it's great because it doesn't explain what it is. So they all just think that he's trying to be cool and down with the kids, and they think it's really embarrassing. And like I'm sort of mm. going, "This is brilliant." Because this of course, a couple of episodes so later, good. they go into Billy Batson's thing a bit more because he becomes part of one of the stories. Yeah. So if you were watching Young Justice and you knew nothing about him at that point, you go, "Oh!" oh. But it's just such a great dynamic and it's so much fun. That sounds and pretty great. That's what this looks like it's doing. Like it's going for the fun of it all. That shot of Billy leaping off the building and yelling oh. Shazam and transforming mid-fall and then oh. holding in the air for just a second before shooting off. If. Looks so good. If this movie turns out to be great, that could potentially become one of the iconic shots of superhero cinema. Oh God, yeah. Well, I really like that one it's... from the first trailer, the one where he's at the fairground, he's walking forward and the bolt, he just, Shazam bolt hits him and he just carries on walking. Yeah. It's such a seamless transition. Yeah. Um, I really hope this is Mark good. Strong looks like he's having a ball. 
Um, when doesn't he? Getting to play his third comic book supervillain. When, when does Mark Strong not look like he's having a ball? I have That's never seen Mark Strong be something and look checked out. That's very true. And he's been in some Gash. shit. <laughs> but he's always great. And that's the beauty of it. You know it's a good casting when he's involved. Yeah, it's the book um, Mark Strong game. I know, I know it's the, yeah, the book Mark Strong. Or the Toby Jones. Or Toby Jones. Toby. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Oh god, I'm happy to. I'm happy to find out that Simon Mayo is still doing his movie show with Mark Kermode. Yes, even though the two of them are moving to that classical radio station. Ah, yeah, but they're not moving. Mark Kermode as well. They're not moving there with a review show. No, they're moving they're, there with their own they're shows. They're separate. Ho- they're hosting separate shows. Yeah, Mark's is scores, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Which is like perfect. Well of course. Done. Why wouldn't you? And um, he's he's branching out into other like short form podcasts and other services. Like he's got an Audible original series and, and things like that. So. Entertainment um, and all that, all that good shit. Yes. And speaking of all that good shit, Shazam. Shazam looks pretty damn great. Uh, I noticed the Twitter moment for it was fans are delighted at a Man of Steel reference in Shazam. It's like, uh, I mean, hmm? mm. why is that the thing you're picking out? That's not the coolest thing. But the shot they're referring to is the shot where um, Mark Strong's character, uh, oh god, what's his name? I've forgotten. Oh, oh okay. he's Doctor something. Doctor some Doctor case. Evil Bad. Doctor but Mark Strong um, punches. Shazam. Dr. Evil Guy. Like, they're flying, it looks like, and he punches Shazam, and Shazam goes flying from the punch, like, toward a building. Not through the building, but toward a building. And people are referencing, it's a, people saying it's a reference to that shot in Man of Steel where Superman's flying, and he punches Zod, then he catches up to him and punches him again. Which was a cool shot. Um, And yeah, it is, I guess, if it was Billy doing the punching. Yeah. Because Billy obviously idolises superheroes from the first trailer. Yeah. So, whatever. It's like, fine. Superman! Comb your hair! Oh, God! Hitch a ride! Shazam! Love it. We have fun here. Love uh, it, love it, love it. I can't wait for Shazam. I, I'm really psyched for this movie. I want it in my life. Have you... What if it, what if it financially beats Aquaman? Fucking Aquaman's been going gangbusters, Aquaman, hasn't it? Aquaman is a couple more weekends of decent business away from being DC's most profitable movie. <laughs> Aquaman! Ever. Aquaman used to be a fucking yeah. joke. Ever. Not DCEU. No, no. Yeah, Ever. It's, 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 it's creeping cap- up on Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. 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 yeah it's like, just what mm, the living mm, hell. Mmm. Mmm. And, oh, shall I say something controversial? Do it. I think it's a better movie than Dark Knight Rises. Oh! <laughs> Can I say something that might shock you? What? Kind of agree. Yeah. <laughs> They're both not great movies. But you know, Aquaman has as fun at least. As muddled as it is, doesn't shit on what's come before yeah. it. <laughs> as muddled as it is, Aquaman has a better sense of what it wants to be than Dark Knight Rises does. Dark Knight Rises has um, better performances, but it also doesn't have. It all, it all, it, the the problem, the difference, the difference is they both have a terrible script. Yet Aquaman still makes more of its terrible script. Uh, I don't know if I'd call Aquaman's script terrible. Oh come on, Patchy. Oh, come In on. need of wood. You gotta live so you can kill that son of a bitch. I don't know, I kinda like that. Redheads, am I right? <laughs> it's a terrible script. It is a I don't want to believe that that lines in the script. script. I just want to believe that that's Jason Momoa being Jason Momoa. That wasn't even, they weren't even, he didn't even know they were rolling. <laughs> he just let like, to have a plane. And James Wan just luckily had his phone up at that point. Like, oh, like, oh, okay. I got it, I got it, Jason. I got it, Jason. It's all right. I got it, Jace. You uh, you win. Someone got your face, so we can go for another take. Thanks. 
Can we just say what's on the page this time? <laughs> Cheers. Um, oh, no, he's already in the desk. Oh, he's already walking up. Right. If anyone's down there, quick, turn your phone on. Just film the walking. Quick. Yes. <laughs> I think I think it should be clear to Warner Brothers now what people want from their movies, which mm. means they're going to make More about fun. three dozen underwater movies now. Oh. Instead of just a, a few dozen really colourful, fun superheroes. No, no, no. No, they're going to make them underwater. That's what people liked about Aquaman. That's why it's so good. That's why people like it so much. Um, <laughs> more superhero bits before we get into something a little less super. You love superhero Well, more bits. super, but not superhero way. Um, well, I mean, you're right, but not right. Super- Wait a minute. Oh, God. We're going to bring it around, back around later. Um, Segways, that's what they call us. So, Marvel Netflix. Eat fresh. Yes. Daredevil's gone. Yes. Luke Cage is gone. Yeah. Iron Fist is gone. Yeah. <clears throat> Punisher season two just uh, just went live. And Along with are, Titans. I need to watch both of those. We are worryingly anticipating an, an imminent announcement in regards to well, Punisher. John Bernthal's been talking about it. Deb Brown Walls already said, already hinted that, yeah, that's kind of it. For Karen. For Karen. Mm. Which would um, imply that she's not of... an ongoing supporting character in Punisher. Yes. Which would imply that Punisher, like Daredevil, her other show, is also... Well, John Bernthal has been out saying that he hasn't heard anything yet. But he's kind of already at peace with that if it happens. Oh, snap. Because yeah, like, Mike Coulter said he was never officially told no, prior to the announcement. No. He, there was just a sense of it on set. Yeah. Like, like me, things getting pushed back, like production meetings yeah. and, and produ- like executive producers visits and things like that that just were like not happening. The wife and I have <clears> a theory. Yes. <clears throat> and it's to do with what you told me the other week, where there is a two-year... Yeah, I can't remember what the clause. source for that was, so I'm not... Yes, the, the belief is there's a two-year minimal clause for the Netflix iterations of these characters to be reused in yeah. something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, of course they would cancel them as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. Well... That, 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 it seems less Netflix well, cancelling them, more Disney going, all right then, oh, okay, we'll call it a day. Let's, let's cancel the project. No, I, let's cancel the project. No, from what I'm aware, these have been cancelled on Netflix's side. Yeah. As far as we know. Yeah, as far as we know. But... Why would Netflix cancel them when they're some of the biggest shows that they've well, had? Well. Unless maybe the other parent in the equation went, we think we should we call We need to rearrange the custody agreement. Um, I just wish they, if that's the case, that they'd give a heads up to their stars. Yes. To say, hey, you've been amazing. We're not done with you. Um, Take a breather. Well, we'll, John, be, we'll be in touch in a year and a half's time. One of the things John Bernthal also said was that He's he's come to the realization that you know these th- these decisions are made in rooms that he's not invited into. Yeah. So he kind of just has to roll with it. <clears throat> it's true. Um, At the end of the day, he's paid to show up, say the lines, be the character, and go home. Yes. So he's kind of at peace with it. But oh, the the Daredevil showrunner showrunner has also been out there saying, yeah, we wanted to leave season two in a place where people would be hungry for a season three. So. Oh, who knows? Yeah, oh, they've 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 said who would have been the the story arc focus for season four of Daredevil. Yeah, that was it. what I was going to come on to next. Yeah, yeah. So um, Charlie Cox has oh, also been talking about yeah. things, and he this makes me so sad. Yes. Um. So it's come out that season four of Daredevil was originally pitched as a full on bullseye story. Yeah. With. Season three is essentially acting as his origin. Um, 
and that we get that in the last couple of scenes of um, season three of Daredevil. Did you, did you catch up on that yet? No, yeah, but I, I'm aware of this. Um, aware yes, of yeah, we we see him. He gets fucked up at the end of season at the end of season three of Daredevil, and then we see a scene of him being in surgery uh, with and with the implication that someone is paying for it so they can keep him on their payroll. Mm. Um, <clears throat> which just makes me think of yes. the post credit scene of the film. Yes. <laughs> Within a full body cast. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then, so Charlie Cox has been out talking about that um, and saying how that was happening. And you know, how he's, you know, he's disappointed that he, that he didn't get to see, I forget the name of the actor, but the actor mm. fully inhabit it more. Yeah. Like being very complimentary about that guy, which is, you know, I mean, imagine that as the actor though, being told like, guess what? You're going to be one of the most beloved villains in Marvel Comics. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. No, No. sorry. Never mind. (laughs) And we never got to see Gladiator properly. Yeah, of course. It was in three seasons of that show and we never got Gladiator. Um, But yeah, he's also... He threw a buzzsaw at one point. (laughs) There have been... There have been uh, rumours that, you know, Marvel are going to carry on with a different cast and just do a full reboot. And Charlie Cox wasn't able to put pay to any of that. He all he was able to say was, "As far as I know, I'm done with it," and that's sad. And he's he's also mentions like there's an online petition and it's like two hundred thousand signatures. D'Onofrio shared yeah. it, which was the first sign to me that yeah, this and, is definitely done. And he's like, or at least they're in the dark. Yes, and he's thinking that hey, it can't hurt. But I don't think it's going to change anything because mm. they made their decisions because they made their decisions. But I'll support it because well, I'd, like to, hurt, is it? Yeah, I'd yeah. like to do more. <laughs> it's not going to hurt. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's the state of, of Marvel Netflix. So Punisher season two has been up for near for will have been up for a week by the time you hear this. It would not surprise me if between the recording of this episode and it going live, there is a cancellation announcement. Yeah, because that's just the world we live in now. They might as well just say we're not doing any more Jessica Jones either. Yeah, and that season three will be the last season. Yeah, because then at least they can go out on... They can get that out ahead, and then the lead-up to season three of Jessica Jones releasing can be all positive stuff about how great this whole experiment was. Yeah, and didn't you all love this show? And yeah. If you want to... <clears throat> do you know what? Disney needs to start a push for the home releases, because they get a cut of that. Yeah. They need to start a big push for that and be like, Hey everybody, you love these shows? Well, we've just put out complete box sets of each one. Go get them. Go, go get them now. Go buy them now. Buy sweet, sweet money. Because you can't, <laughs> you still can't get a lot of that stuff, can you? Like, you can get the first seasons of all of them, and the uh, second De- season of Daredevil. Daredevil season two. I think Jessica Jones season two's out as well. I'm sure I've seen that in the wild. Which means the Defenders must also be out. I've not seen that, but it should be. Yeah, um, should be. So yeah, that's that, that stuff is starting to get out there. But I always said for completionist's sake, one day I'd pick them up. Yeah, just so I can have them there on just, that on that shelf. Just for the like... day when Netflix inevitably implodes under its own weight. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But also because I like the idea of you know, not burning up my entire internet all the time. <laughs> yeah, there's also that. Although we don't really have capped internet over here. That's not so much a thing as it is in the states. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it's more of the slow thing because, like, yeah. two of us being in the house, you, you know what it's like yes. when you guys playing like games and stuff. Yes. Sometimes the connection can go a bit skew with you. Skew with. Yeah, um, I did the other day. I was uploading something. And it was just taking ages, so I I turned the internet off, internet off on everything other than my computer, 
and stuck a DVD on. And within 20 minutes, what? the thing that was going to take an hour and a half took 20, 20 minutes. It was like, great. That <laughs> is wild. Mm, that's pretty wild, son. That's wild. Um, decidedly less wild, however. Oh? Is the recently released <laughs> Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy biopic, Stan and Ollie, which we've mentioned before. Aye. And you managed to see this past week or so. Yes, this um, past week. <laughs> It's pretty good, isn't it? It's very good. <laughs> it is very, very good. <clears throat> what um, to say about Stan and Ollie? It is a biopic um, covering the later years of their career. After they sort of had a falling out and stopped working together, they then start working together again and start doing a tour of Britain. Uh, specifically um, in the lead up to fund uh, a new yes, picture. Yes, they're trying to get a new picture funded, um, but they've been off the circuit for a while, to the point where it becomes a running theme in the film people are surprised that they're still working. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because they're getting on, you know. Oh, it's, um, it's really nice that you two are still out there doing the old material. And, and it's you know, it's that... This, this, the same uh, old material. No, no, <laughs> no way I'm making comparison, but it's a very similar vibe to stuff I hear a lot sometimes. People are like, oh my God, yeah, you're really funny with that sort of stuff. Uh, are you doing any more? It's like, no, yeah. no, no one's making it. <clears throat> yeah. like, no one's making it, no one wants us to do it. Yeah. So. I don't have a job well, anymore. But we'd like to do Sorry. it. We'd like to see it. I know yes. we would, but unfortunately, your actual opinion does not change the opinions of yes. the people in charge of it. Your opinion um, does not, in fact, matter. Yeah, <laughs> to the people uh, who greenlight Sorry. Um, um, and it's a shame because it, it, it was true. Like They were, at the time, trying to get funding for this film, and it was doing all right, but then, last minute, the London producer involved just sort of Showed a bigger chunk of disinterest. Well, um, uh, you say at the last minute, it seemed like that was a thing that was kind of going on <clears> for the whole... Oh, I, but like in terms of them getting that you oh, know, yeah, c- yeah, yeah. confirmation, it was toward the end of the run after it had started to start. Because it was, it was a little tour. And this, again, this really happened. This, this was a real thing that occurred. Yes. Um, it was a tour of, of UK and Ireland venues that... Started out in small theatres, but as the momentum began to build, mostly due to them giving up all their free time on the tour to publicise it. Yep. And again, like people coming up, waking up and going, "Oh my god, it's you two! Oh my god, it's... I love those movies!" Like we, we still go and see them. They do like Saturday morning reruns of pictures and Lauren Hardy stuffs on in like on regularly. To which Stan sort of regretfully points out during this that they yeah, don't see any yeah. money for that. We don't get paid um, for that. So, but like people would delight to see them to the point where the tour expanded and the London venue. Uh, had to be changed to a 2,000 seater. It was the Palladium, wasn't it? Yes. Because yeah. they basically were selling out shows and people really wanted to come and see them. But it, it, it's... it's So it's a hopeful story in that sense, but it's also... The reason the film's called Stan and Ollie and not Laurel and Hardy is because it's about the men behind the characters and yes. where they stand and how they feel about each other and sort of what it means to be those characters for people. And it all sort of comes to a head when Ollie's uh, poor habits eventually lead to a heart attack um, at a public appearance, which threatens the future of their partnership. Um, Steve Coogan and John C. Reilly. Stan Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy in this. Very fucking good. They're excellent. They're so good in this. They're so good. Um, Um, And again, it's it's down to that they're not doing impersonations but the physicalities there the idiosyncrasies yes. the voice I mean Stan Laurel is a very difficult voice to get because it's a broad English accent 
with 20 plus years worth of Americans yes. stirred into it. You can't quite tell where he's from. And Coogan nails it. I mean, there's obviously a very Coogan-esque tone to it. Um, he's, got very distinct, he's got a very distinctive, like, yeah. his, his, his Mancunian tone never left him and it's always he's, there at the back of his throat. It doesn't matter what he does. He's yeah. always going to be slightly nasal. <laughs> yeah. It's but just it, his voice. It works. John C. Riley's fucking phenomenal. Considering he's also acting through four hours worth Whoa, of prosthetics. That's a lot. Because John C. Riley is not a big man. No. like He's, he's, a, he's a round-faced gentleman. Yeah, he's, not, he's not, not like super in shape. He's got a little bit of a spare tyre, but he ain't like, he ain't Oliver Hardy. And the thing is, when you see them in the opening of the movie, which is, is uh, a scene set during the making of Way Out West. Yes. Um, the two of them look how we all picture them. Yes. Because it's how they look in the films. And it's scary uncanny yeah like it's scary uncanny at that point um so it's kind of nice i think it helps the transition of of us watching actors playing these very iconic people um that we're seeing them mostly for the film during a period where people maybe wouldn't know what they've looked like during that time yes because they do look different stan looks a little gaunter and, and and definitely older and and ollie looks much bigger and, yes, and, and when you eventually see <coughs> more sallow faced, when you eventually see during the credits the real life images from the publicity that tour and everything, yeah, you're like Jesus Christ, <laughs> they actually toned down how ragged they both looked at that yeah, point. They both looked very tired, yeah. full of energy, but looked very oh, tired. Man. Yeah, um, it's wonderful. And what's really nice is there's callbacks to routines from the films. We get to see recreations. Uh, the revolving door sequence in particular is <laughs> brilliant. Um, it's so good. And and to use Way Out West as a bookend for the, the way they tell the story in the film is really yes. nice. Like a, a very famous sequence from that film, which you'll have seen guaranteed the clip of it's been doing the rounds online lately because people have been doing those like side-by-side things. Yes. Um, that that is That gets a callback at the end of the movie. Um which is just so well handled. Everyone oh. else in the supporting cast is wonderful. Rufus Jones, especially. Oh yes, is excellent as He's the tour manager. <laughs> and again, like I guarantee, we have both met people. Oh like, <laughs> yes, within the industry of theatre, it's like oh yes. fuck, um, it's depressingly true. Um, yes. Let's talk about the second double act of the movie. <laughs> Because once the wives, once the wives arrive, oh my day! It's like the film gets a shot oh, in the I arm need to look that up you the, didn't know it needed. Uh, so Shirley Henderson is um, Ollie's wife. Yes, so um, the, the 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 always impeccable Shirley Henderson. Yes, uh, that that tiny little pixie voiced woman, um, oh. who you always tend to forget until she plays a role like this. Oh yeah, she's in like her fifties. Yes. <laughs> like, Oh, I didn't realise. She does not um, fucking look it. She was moaning Myrtle in her early 40s? Or? Yeah. Uh, Shirley Henderson is... <coughs> is the late she, 30s? Born in 1965, so she's she's 54. Yeah, and... 53, 54. Uh, but, like, that air of, of uh, sort of... <laughs> dare I say it, like, like impishness mm. plays very well into this because you have to understand that though this, this lady was... You know, a bit of a of a nag for all the right reasons to her husband because she wanted to make sure he was healthy. Yeah, you have to see that cheeky spark that's there that 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 is what stopped him because the very the opening scene implies quite heavily that 
Yeah, they've been in marriages, but these two are... They get around! I think, I think players is the wrong word, but like they definitely don't underestimate the power of their own fame when it comes to meeting women. Yes. Um, uh, Nina Arianda is, um, is Ida. She's great. She's so good. And the way the two of them play off of each other is brilliant. Like, it's... I, yeah. I think it, it's a draw as to which chemistry I found more compelling, <laughs> really. Yeah. Like, they do so well together. Yeah. Um, they're fantastic in this film. And, and and I do hope they don't miss out on, like, all the noms when this film does sort of enter its portion of the festivals and, and uh, award circuits. Because yes. they all need to get recognised for this. Uh it's fantastic. It's it's a nice, short, sweet, simple story about people. Yeah. Uh, they just happen to be people that we recognise very well. And it's funny and heartwarming. It just made me feel nice. It was like a cinematic hug. Big emphasis on Stan's very quick wit. And, oh. and the fact that he was a workaholic. Like, yeah. almost the point where you realise that it wasn't because it was anything he was profiting from almost it's because it's just it, he just needed to do it well they say in the in the closing the, um, after credits, Oliver's yeah. death Stan still wrote material he never performed again yeah. but he kept writing Laurel and Hardy material yeah which is just so bittersweet like it's, be- it's beautiful but really kind of nice and but then also de- devastating at the same time because um, you get to see a scene from a film that was never made, but they were working on. You get to see a yeah. scene from it, and he imagines what it looks like. Which I thought was a nice touch, because in that scene, they looked how they, they did. Yeah, in they look in the Way Out West uh, type. And uh, that was so well done. and just Especially because it's this one scene that they keep touching on throughout the movie. <laughs> there's, a, there's a particular gag involving a pratfall that like they keep talking about, and you get to see it. And Oh god, John C. Riley in that moment, in the way he plays the camera... Mm. It's like, that's straight out of the fucking films. That's so weird to see. John, it's Every time he did the... <clears throat> I was just like, oh my God. Like, just... That's Oliver Hardy. Like, yeah. I'm looking at Oliver Hardy. Um, <laughs> it's so good. It's so well done. And it, it's that sensibility and uh, of that era is recreated so well. And of course, then the 20 year later, well, the 16 year later, nostalgia for that era is yes. done so well. Um, my biggest takeaway from this is my biggest takeaway from Bohemian Rhapsody being out there and being successful in terms of the popular culture, which is I don't care if people like this film or not. I don't care if it's a good film or not. Luckily, in this case, it's a very good film. Yes. I just want people to now see this and go, oh, I wonder, and start revisiting the old stuff. Yes. The, the way that Queen music has taken a boom because of Bohemian Rhapsody, I want people to start searching up Laurel and Hardy People who maybe hadn't done it before or hadn't done it in years, buy those DVD box sets. There's, there's Searching a certain... up online, start sharing clips on Twitter. Please do it because there is something so wonderfully wholesome. Is an overdone word when it comes to describing yeah. like older comedy, but there's definitely a wholesome quality to it. But also because they were in a lot of silent films and early talkies. Yeah, there's such a physical aspect. They to their brought work. that to the talkies. Yeah. Like they never lost that. That it's kind of timeless. Yeah, because it's not relying <clears throat> necessarily on word gags. Yeah, and the stuff that is. <laughs> it's the nut. The the bit they keep showing from the stage show is is the um, boiled eggs and nuts. Yes. skit in the hospital bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. It's. It doesn't matter what's in the bag. What matters is the way Stan 
makes such a deal of <laughs> eating the meal the out egg. Of it, yeah. <laughs> and you see him do it a different couple of ways, but it's like he brings the fucking salt shaker out of his pocket. <laughs> it's just wonderful. And that kind of stuff, it's why Morecambe and Wise has aged so well. Mm. Because so much what, of it is why, that. Why the Christmas specials or documentaries about the Christmas specials yes. air every fucking Christmas on like either Channel 5 or BBC 2. Yeah. Because like that stuff holds up so well. And like, like the other sensibilities. People... It's, why, it's, why, it's why people from like the silent era like Buster Keaton and stuff hold up because yes. they they tried to, they use the visual medium as their focus and their storytelling device. Yes. And, and Stan and Ollie do that and then when the talkies happen, they brought that with them. They didn't forget that. They didn't focus on the verbal gags. They but married the two. Also, think about like the other characters <laughs> you see in this, like the other comedians. Yes. Contemporaries. Yeah. Who the fuck remembers Nobby Clark? Yeah. I mean, no offence to Nobby Clark or the estate of Nobby Clark. But, but who the fuck that, remembers him? That's like, the point they're making. Yeah. Like, when, when he, and it's, I don't know if it was him, but it's true. They did bring in another comedian. Yes. To work with him to fill in for Ollie. And of course, the, the guy dates. that did, Hardy did the movie with mm-hmm. after Laurel got dumped by the studio. Yeah. Who the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> like, no one knows who those people are anymore. It's Laurel and Hardy they remember because their material and their delivery was so special. Yeah. And you can't just. It's why there's so few comedy double acts. There aren't really... That thing isn't there anymore because you're always switching and changing and chopping and changing and putting different people together. The closest thing you've got to it, I guess, is Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. In terms of, like, worldwide Yeah, uh, but they don't really... They're they're not a double act. No, they just they just work very well together. They work very well together, but they, they work do a, together a few times. They do a particular kind of genre comedy, which is yeah. very reliant on on text stuff. Mm. You guess you could say that John C. Reilly and Will Ferrell had it. <laughs> <laughs> had I don't know if either of them would draw attention it, to it anymore. But isn't that a weird thought? Those two movies, Stan uh, and Ollie, and Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson. Uh, oh, that's weird. I've just realised as well. They're both, like, the, 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 the uh, focused name and something. Oh, that's so weird. They were both yes. shot in the same year. In fact, they were both shot, I think, around the same time. Like, Stan and Ollie was being shot, and then yeah. John C. Reilly would work on Holmes and Watson for a bit, and then work on Stan and Ollie for a bit longer. And it's like, and both shot in England. Like, what a weird thought. I think both men are quite <laughs> happy to forget Holmes and Watson ever happened. I mean, even Netflix tried to forget it by going, yeah, we don't want to buy this. And Netflix um, will buy anything. will buy any old shit. Any old shit. Any, any, any old shit. We never talked about Bird Box, did we? I've not seen it. Lucy, we, we so, might, Lucy described it to me and I was like, oh, okay. We, we might come back to that one at some point. It's interesting. Lucy loved it. Barney, who I worked with over Christmas, hated it. I don't know You find I... it interesting. Which mm. says to me, you think it's not great, but there's some really mm. interesting stuff in there. And some well, of the shit stuff is really amusing. You're smiling in a way that says yes. <laughs> <laughs> Your man's telling me no. Um, but my body. My bird box telling me And yeah. speaking of my mind telling me no, let's talk about M. Night Shyamalan's Ladies latest magnum opus. Spoilers abound, ladies and gentlemen. I am going to spoil the shit out of Split. <laughs> But before I do, quick brief, <laughs> quick brief. And are you, you going um, to tear open the ass out of glass? 
Um, shattered glass, <laughs> shall we say? Um, as as any, as those who follow me on Twitter know, my, my on on coming out of the movie, my reaction was: Glass is the most M Night Shyamalan ass movie M Night Shyamalan has ever made. <laughs> Take that how you will. Put it on the poster. Let people take yeah. it however they want. Yeah, that's <laughs> because it's that's subjective. Depending oh. on your approach to M Night Shyamalan. So uh, before I go into spoilers, Glass is the sequel to Split, which was the stealth sequel to Unbreakable. It's about three people who um, believe or I believe to have. Uh, superpowers, yeah. abilities beyond those of normal people. Um, the titular Mr. Glass, uh, Samuel Jackson, uh, is a first evil name genius Mr. To- oh, Last name Glass. We'll get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, fucking hell, will we get there? Um, Mr. Glass has a supreme intellect. Yes, he's, 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 he's the he's evil like genius a, type. He's, yeah, he's sort of like um, an extreme strategist and, and manipulator and. Uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb or The Horde and the personalities that reside within him. The Horde is a um, great name for a, uh, it is for a, great a, for a thingy supervillain. Um, yeah. And uh, The Horde support, uh, um, are these different personalities that reside uh, within Kevin. He has dissociative identity yeah, disorder. If I remember from Split, he's 23 different personalities 23. Um, who eventually push to the arrival of a 24th known as the, the Beast. Beast. Who is... Uh, Him, but super strong. Yeah, he's super strong, rage-filled. super resilient. He's rage-filled. <clears throat> he, can, he can scale sheer walls. Um, all that kind of weird stuff. He's very bestial. Um, but like a bestial messiah. I don't know. It's... Eh. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's David Dunn from... Uh, Breakable. Breakable. Uh, as Mr. Glass, Elijah Price was from Unbreakable. Um, he is uh, a security guard, former high school football player who's can't be can't be broken, can't be beaten. He's, uh, he's the lone survivor. He's unbreakable. He's the the miraculous sole survivor of a uh, train crash that killed 131 people, which we later find out. Um, Elijah Price uh, set up. And he's been setting up all these kinds of mass disasters to try and find someone like David. And David finds his heroes calling, but also discovers that Elijah Price masterminded the whole thing. But that's that's unbreakable. And then he pops up at the very end of Split, and you go, "Oh, it's a sequel, but not quite." And then they make so, glass. If I remember correctly, at the end of Unbreakable, there's not like a distinct. He's going off to be a superhero thing, but it's sort of no, suggested. It's suggested, and because <clears throat> the last well, the last thing that happens in Unbreakable, because I rewatched. Unbreakable, and I watched Split for the first time in preparation for Glass. Split is fine. Yeah, we've we spoke, we spoken, we spoken about Split yeah. before, and, and how you you really didn't. There's some good stuff want in there to see it per yeah. se, but you knew this film might take yes. you to. So I'm gonna to dip in. And some of the problems that are present in uh, Split with regards to how they treat dissociative identity disorder and sort of. That is what gives him superpowers, and he has superpowers because he's mentally ill. Is that some of that stuff still in there, and it's it's still problematic, but it's not as egregious as I feared it was. Mm. But there's no two ways about it. That shit is problematic. Like um, it's it's a weird one because like had they emphasized the supernatural element more in yeah. Split, it would feel less gross because it'd be more like okay, this guy who's already dealing with this one thing, like you know, th- this is the way he is. <sighs> Oh. Also, like, there's a supernatural thing in habit. Like, if there's an outside oh. force that created that. But wait, 
Oh, oh, does this film get into that? We'll get there. Oh, shit. Okay. okay. Um, so, <laughs> so oh, Glass shit. basically has these oh, three characters God, no. okay. brought together by a psychiatrist who wants to convince them that they're all mentally ill. They're not superheroes. They uh, just and think they are. Sarah Paulson. The wonderful Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. Love Sarah Paulson and stuff. Um, and she has three days to convince them that they're not uh, the the superhumans they think they are before something sort of nebulous and poorly defined is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, Mr. Glass is like, nope, nope, I don't want no part of that. And he has to team up with the Beast. And David then has to stop him. That's that's the plot of Glass. Um, Glass is not very good. It is frustrating and poorly executed in almost every conceivable way. It is very Latter-day Shyamalan in that it builds tension, builds tension, builds conflict, builds tension, builds conflict, pays fuck all off. And what it does pay off, it doesn't pay off satisfyingly. So that's Glass. (coughs) Go see it. (laughs) Because it's fucking, it's a trip. Oh, is it a trip? Don't, if you have a Limitless card, go see it, or like a Cineworld whatever card, don't pay for it, because it's bad. Although it didn't cost any money, so they're going to make a profit off it no matter what. Yeah, um, it's, it's like Split was sort of uh, split like with, $5 million Split was $9 million. $9 million. This that, was, that with think, marketing atop? Or? Uh, I don't think so. And this was $20 million, I think. Okay, and guaranteed the majority of that will be Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis's fees. Yes. Bruce, who I believe only showed up to film for like six days, Willis. That does not surprise me. Again, we'll get to that. How many shots that are clearly not him are there in this movie? <laughs> How much do they take advantage of that raincoat? Let's spoil <laughs> Split. Let's spoil it. <laughs> All right, so... So, this is a cheap fucking movie. <laughs> right, okay. You know the trailers Tr- make it... Tricking you into thinking it's more expensive because of its stars, essentially. Kind of. Yeah. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but from the trailers, <laughs> you probably got the idea that the the institutionalising thing sort of happens towards the beginning, and then as the film climaxes, they break out and the action spreads. The trailers do make it look like uh, it's set... It's set in the asylum, has a shit ton of flashbacks, character building, and then they break out as the end of the story goes. And and uh, one of the trailers makes me think that some of the characters from the other two films show up at some point. Well... I, I, I know they must do, because I know Anya Taylor-Joy's in the film. Yes, yes. Split. Um... <laughs> I think I've seen. I think I've seen the kid who played his son in Unbreakable. Yes, yes. Spencer well. Street Clark is back as uh, Joseph Dunn. Okay. Um, so the movie starts. <laughs> it's okay. It's been three weeks since the events of Split. Wow. Okay. In that time, so Kevin's Kevin's I know again. He's on the run. He's out. Yeah, he's out there. The, he's... the horde is on the run. Patricia and. The Patricia personality is in the, is is sort of taking control with Dennis and Hedwig. That yeah, um, uh, Dennis is the Dennis is the uptight germaphobe the, who likes 
to watch girls dance. The beanie wearing creepy yeah. guy. Oh no, um, the glasses wearing yes. creepy guy. Uh, Hedwig is the kid. Hedwig is the nine year old. Yeah. Um, there and the result of probably the best scene in Split. <laughs> Are you give me the dancing scene. Yes, yes. I mean the dancing. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, McAvoy's brilliant in this. McAvoy's fucking phenomenal. He has to he has to gurn and make do voices and speak different languages and look convincing weird. as he does it. Yeah, he's great. It's and and will criminally mm. be the most underpaid of the three leads, mm. guaranteed. Mm. <laughs> Easily done the most work, and in this he's actually physically bulked up, mm. whereas in Split a lot of the B stuff was done with body doubles. Yeah, and special effects. Like he he put some on, didn't he? But he he yeah. wasn't like. But for this, he is significantly bulkier. Yeah. Because when he's when he's just like being Patricia or something, he's noticeably like. You, you, you do not look as feminine as you did in the other one when you're being Patricia. Let's put it that way, um, because you are a triangle now. So um, is, is this is this the scenes you can see in the trailer where there's like three cheerleaders like chained up to something? Yes, that's the beginning of the movie. Yeah, so he's got those cheerleaders. Okay, that's cool. Like, like, that's, it's like three that's weeks cool. later, expanding um, on Split, saying that he's been going away and I'm assuming uh, planning to eat them. Yes, like the, the, which like, was again one of the coolest visual bits in Split. Oh, was, that was grim. Um, so what he was doing to the girl in the uh, supply cupboard. Yeah. But they, the early scene is like Hedwig <laughs> talking to the like taunting the girl, like talking to the girls and being like, "I had a girlfriend once. Uh, we kissed. It was no big deal." Um, <laughs> oh God, yeah. Yes. Oh. Um, what you later find out <laughs> when uh, Casey from Split, yes, and Anya, Anya Taylor Joy comes back to the story that during those three weeks she has um, had her abusive uncle arrested okay. and gone into a foster home. And started like wearing more flamboyant outfits and being way more relaxed and stuff in public. It's been three weeks. She's got she's got rid of the demon that was haunting her yeah. essentially, seemingly overnight. Okay, it's been three weeks. Okay, so it doesn't track, and it gets worse. Oh, um, we also find out. Oh, okay. Also, at the beginning of the movie, we find out that David Dunn <clears throat> from Unbreakable, yeah, has now gone into business. Uh, with his son, they run Dunn Home Security. It's like a home security outfit. Okay. Um, sell supplies and set up. Mild mannered home security outfit uh, by day. But it's a front. Yeah, there you go. For um, <laughs> his vigilante activities with his son as the guy in the chair. I don't hate that. Neither do I. I don't it's hate that. It's pretty good. Like the the I, your introduction to him in the film is he goes after this. This pair of like dumb YouTubers who assault someone on the street, and then yeah. like they trace that back to the home, and then he, he comes into the home and beats the shell. But you don't see any of it. Oh, because this movie's really cheap. Oh, it's like someone's living room, and then you see a shot of him, like a guy goes off screen. You hear a ruckus. You see a guy get thrown across the wall. The silhouette of David Dunn. We find out he's literally been done by the press as the overseer. Um, okay. After they've tried to brand him as the Green Guardian and the Tiptoe Man. Because he just shows up. He doesn't like the Tiptoe Man. He doesn't like that moniker. Um, That's a nice little stab at movie trends of superhero yeah, I mean, names. Like a lot of movies yeah. shy away from naming the superheroes outside of like a, a headline. But... But yeah, you see, so he throws his one guy against the wall and then you just see him advancing on the other kid and that's that's it. Cut to him going back to his son and being like, 
Well, you know, if you put them in jail, what's next? And, but he's actively looking for Kenny. Oh, he's in oh Philadelphia. Since, since he saw the news report at the end of Yes, yeah, he's in Philadelphia. He's looking for this guy. Okay. Him and his son are trying to track this guy down. He does, finds him. They have a confrontation. He rescues the cheerleaders. They're fighting, 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 fighting. Um, it's the Beast versus versus David Dunn. It's not very interesting. Oh. Like, they throw each other around a bit. And then the Beast tries his bear hug move that he killed his therapist with in Split. Yeah. On David Dunn. And obviously it's a no-sell because he's unbreakable. Mm-hmm. And they very slowly walks over to a window while <laughs> and then just throw each other out of it. Okay. Obviously, David Dunn's spending yeah. the whole bit going, well, this is mildly irritating. Yeah, I'm just going to stroll over to this window and throw um, this both out. And Bruce Willis is probably spending most of that bit going, oh, this is mildly irritating. I can't wait until I can go up my trailer. I guarantee um, you the reason why that fight scene is so sort of short and simplified is because of his availability. Also because... And by availability, I mean time he gave them to be on set. Yes. Also because M. Night Shyamalan doesn't know how to shoot action. So maybe it was worth getting on the second unit director. But we'll get background. back to that. Oh, shit. <laughs> this is like the first 20 minutes of the film. Oh, Jesus if Christ. That. <laughs> if that. Well, this should be the prologue. This should be like five um, minutes and then into something more solid. So <laughs> then they get, uh, as they fall out the window, they get up, they start to go, they're about to go out again and police turn up. And there's a bunch, like there's this big light array because it's night now. Yeah. This light array, and that triggers a personality change in Kevin. So every time okay. these lights flash, it triggers a personality change. So it keeps the beast at bay. It keeps him off and his And these guard. people already knew this, or was this like the yes. first moment it's obvious? No, yes. No, no. This, this, They have been brought along for this express purpose, because this is Ellie's something. Ellie Staples, played by Sarah Paulson. She's yeah. a therapist. She's come, she's arrested, she's come to with the police to arrest them both. Um, and take them to Ravenhill, which is also where Mr. Glass, Ravenhill. Elijah Price, is yeah. being held. Um, and is, this, ha- is this our first appearance of Mr. Glass in the film? You don't actually see him until a good half hour, 45 minutes or something into the movie. Jesus, the movie's named after he him. He doesn't what a weird say anything for longer than that. Oh, God. Because a lot, when you first see him, he's doped to the fucking gills. The idea being they've been keeping him in heavy sedation because he keeps escaping. (laughs) The brittle guy in the wheelchair keeps escaping. Because he's super smart. Because of, yeah, the the stuff he'd make people do. Yeah. Yeah, oh God. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not hating. This is very very overtly reminiscent of Spider-Man, Batman things. Raven Hill is Ravencroft. Arkham Asylum. Cue the next hour and a bit. Jesus is Sarah Paulson trying to convince the characters that they don't have supernatural abilities while also consulting with David Dunn's son, Ooh. Elijah Price's mother, mm-hmm. and Casey. Oh, now Elijah Price's mum is played by the same actress who played Glass's mum in the flashbacks in Unbreakable because yes. the internet went wild on this this week because that actress. It's a, it's a great decision casting-wise, because it yeah. means if you watch the two films back-to-back, it's definitely the same performer. Jesus Christ, that'll make But of course, in real bad. life, yeah. she is five years younger than Sam Jackson? Yeah. And yeah. she's in some terrible old-age makeup. Oh, some oh, really bad old-age makeup. Oh, God. To make it worse, <laughs> there are a lot of flashback scenes in this movie mm-hmm. to the to Unbreakable, or events that are referenced in Unbreakable. 
I believe, at least two, uh, at least three, mm-hmm. if not four of those scenes. Don't you say reused footage. Are actual deleted scenes oh. from Unbreakable that you will have seen if you own the DVD. Okay. I don't hate that, but it is it's cheap as fuck. Cheap. Yeah. It is cheap. Yeah, like... Because... You know any future re-release of Unbreakable will omit those scenes from the extras well, now. One of them one of them is quite clever, because one it's... As, as Ellie starts to get into David's head, he, t- he says to Joseph, like, I'm... Like, anyone could lift... He flashes back to the original Unbreakable mm-hmm. from a deleted scene where he comes... After the, the, the weightlifting scene in the basement... Yeah, where he benches all that, and, and he says to him, "Someone like I, that's not that. It's it's impressive, but it's not that special. Like there are people in any gym who can lift that much. Yeah, like it doesn't make me superhuman." And then he see us. I think Joseph is starting to doubt, but he isn't. Um, <laughs> Anya Taylor Joy, uh, K said she. <sighs> okay, <laughs> she meets Kevin while he's institutionalized, and. He starts to beast out, and she touches him, and like soothes him, and brings Kevin out and calms him down. Because they, of course, kind of had that yeah connection at uh, the end of Split, where basically he saw her scars. At which point, and you realise the beast like was in pain to a point, yeah. and recognised that he w- in he her. he thinks that those who haven't experienced suffering are unbroken and should be cleansed. Right. That's his. That's his philosophy. <clears throat> so he's mutant jigsaw. Kind of. <laughs> um, it's not appreciation for life. It's appreciation for how much this fucking hurts. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> oh man. So and then Dustin was like, "Look, I need you to come working there. Like pure physical love. Like the touch of pure physical yeah. love can can keep him under control." Oh, and which are like, she's she's what fifteen, sixteen in this movie. The character, which, which is why it would make Not more, the which is why it would make ten times more sense for them to skip forward a few years instead of three weeks. But also the fact that she's willing in that initial encounter to get that close to him, yeah, like, and it comes back into play later on. She refuses to help Ellie, mm. but then she comes back later on. Anyway, so <laughs> the movie dances around all this stuff, and it's it's her trying to convince these guys that they're not superhuman, even though. They are demonstrably superhuman from the stuff that we've seen in Split, from the stuff that we've seen in Unbreakable. The movie even says, like, when you finally get Mr. Glass, Mr. Glass, Elijah, coming to the be- coming to Kevin slash the Horde and saying, yo, I want to be the Beast, Patricia's starting to doubt. Yeah. She's like, what if he's not exceptional? I mean, that's, an, inter- get- that's an interesting idea with, with him, with that character. Yeah. Because... You can have the different personalities react to it differently and, um, and be at war with themselves about that. But, like you said, two films exist that show yeah. us they can do shit. Now, to be yeah. fair, in two Split... Two films and the beginning of this in, one. In Split, there's no shot, to, to my memory, that suggests that the Beast is demonstrably superhuman she it's more horrific acts and physical feats that he does yeah she shoots him with the shotgun and it only takes the top layer off his skin oh yeah there's that okay for some Uh, reason when I watched it I took that as like and he bends the steel bars in the cage oh okay which they keep flashing back to in this at least three times I think 
Oh, twice or three times. They keep oh. flashing back to that one moment of him pulling the bars open. And it's like supposed to be this moment where they had this connection. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, but then you get, you get Ellie later on saying, oh, well, you know, we checked the shotgun and the shells were ancient. They, they were probably compromised. And the 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 iron bars down there, they were built in like the eight, late 1800s. I went down there and put a wrench between them and I could bend them. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. Yeah, we never okay. find out. I've got a um, feeling. I've got a feeling. Sarah Paulson has an ulterior motive here. This isn't just a case of we'll get there. Oh shit! I was gonna say because it, it, it. What what would be the point in her just diffusing them all? Like if because that that means if she's diffusing them all, that means she knows they've got powers and she's trying to get control of the situation. So eventually. Eventually, why would you put these three individuals together if you wanted to rehabilitate them? Elijah Price, you wouldn't. Would you keep a... them very separate? He stages a breakout. Of course, he does. Um, <laughs> they try to lobotomize him with like, this laser lobotomy machine, but he manages to get in there and sabotage it beforehand. Laser lobotomy machine. Just go with it. Oh, he's um, stick a pen in his eye. Yeah, he breaks out, <laughs> breaks out the beast, breaks out, and he and he and he says to everyone, he's like, and he says to David, he's like, you're gonna have to break out and stop me. I'm going to go... The tallest building in, in the city is opening today. Mm. Tallest building in Philadelphia. Fucking now, okay, cool. okay, okay. Now, I don't hate that for one reason. Um, his whole shtick in Unbreakable is about how he's fucking fascinated with comic books. Uh, oh, yeah, because throughout this movie, he keeps telling everyone what part of the comic book this scene is. Okay, that could be irritating. It's incredibly irritating. It works well in Unbreakable... But doesn't work well here. It's so on the nose. Is it because... And his mum starts fucking doing it as well. Is it because we're part of a world now that's different from 2000 where these things are more common? I guess. So it's less well, a subversion, no. it's less a subversion no. of the trope they, now. Or they, a... are, they are very... They are very specific in this film that there's only these three. Yeah. Well, no, but I, but I mean uh, in terms of the pop culture zeitgeist. Oh. We've been um, eating movies yeah, like this consistently suppose, for about fifteen years, maybe. But anyway, so he st- he gets his breakout and he makes a, he's, and he's like, "Hey, um, there's gonna be I'm, I'm gonna go to this tall building. I'm gonna use the chemistry lab that a cup that is on the couple of middle floors that this company has, and I'm gonna blow it up, and we're gonna kill loads of people. And you've got to come and stop us, and you're gonna fight the beast in front of all these cameras and all the press, and they're not gonna be able to deny us anymore. You're gonna you're gonna show everyone." I'm going to make you two fight and show everyone that we're real. As far as his motivation goes, fair enough. Like, he's been a schemer all his life, and now his scheme is just, I just want to prove that I exist. It doesn't happen. You know, based on what you told me about the budget, I had a feeling. Can I make a guess? Yeah. They do have a big final fight. Yes, they do. It's that bit, sort of. it's that bit in the trailer where he's lifting up a police car. It's in, it's in like, the parking lot. Yes. <laughs> Again, subversion. I so guess. the beast and <clears throat> Bruce. Can we get some time to film Bruce, on this skyscraper set? They no, can't be asked. Oh. They throw each other about a bit <laughs> in the parking lot, and do. he turns over a police car. Yeah, of course, they and Mister Glasses. Are, oh yeah, he gets his suit back that still okay. fits him after he's been in this institution for nineteen years, and it has a lapel pin on the tie that says MG in sparkles. I don't remember that from Unbreakable, but hey, here well, we they go. give it like a big close-up shot. It's noticeable. 
Right. Um, well, it's Mr. Glass, I suppose. Is the... And like every line of dialogue is like, this is it. This is the turnaround. It's the showdown. It's the limited edition twist ending. Stop saying limited edition. Comics don't market themselves as being limited editions. They're all fucking limited editions. Because they come out, they do a print run, and then they're gone. That's how comics fucking work. Stop saying limited edition. Are you suggesting that Night Shyamalan doesn't know how publishing works? He knows fuck all about comics, and this movie only proves it. He likes to think he knows about comics because he read A Hero with a Thousand Faces and some other books on narrative structure, and he thinks he has a handle on it, but he does not. But he likes to tell us that he does because he spends the entire second... No, there's a third act of this movie doing just fucking that through the mouth of Mr. Glass. <sighs> so they have this big fight in the parking lot. And oh, so all their cells have things to keep them under control. So like, so like, Kevin's has a mini version of a light rig around the door. So if he gets too close to the door or starts to get aggressive, it, it triggers. And um, okay, it took funny sandwiches. So you know, David's thing was water, right? Like he can't swim and he he, he drowns easily. Oh yeah, that's 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 one way. That's one to, way you could kill this, him. He has a swimming pool thing in the. Yeah, and you get a flashback to this which again I think is a deleted scene from Unbreakable but I'm not sure yeah. of when he was a kid and he almost drowned I'm okay, not so sure if that's a flashback so it's, so it's an inbuilt fear of his Yeah, and it also just happens to be like the only way that is known that you could definitely kill him oh, because also, Unbreakable as you may be when, you can still drown when they take, it's uh, the Wolverine logic Yes. Yeah. Uh, when they take Elijah to be quote unquote lobotomised yeah um, he has <laughs> to be James as, Bond lobotomized. As the James lobotomized, as the anesthetic, and his anesthetic kicks in, it goes to a flashback, and it's the deleted scene from Unbreakable where it's him as a kid on the waltzes, and like a like a carnival. Yeah, um, and like he goes in on the waltzer, and he got these two big fluffy bears, and he puts them on either side of him, nice and tight, and then he wraps his big fluffy jump around the bars, so he's nice and secure and he's <laughs> safe. And then as it goes faster and faster, the bears fly out, and then his jumper flies out, and then he his arm he breaks his arm and fucking goes against the side of the thing and breaks his shoulder, and it's just that it's a lot of it from his perspective. So it's yeah. just and you just like he just going round, going round. You see his mum screaming as he's going round, he's going round, and then like that as the last shot of his mum finding him in the carriage, and he's like his arms a fucking zigzag. Yeah, so, but that's a delete that's a delete scene from Unbreakable, and they just put that whole scene in here. A sort of like a dream sequence, quote unquote. I like sort of to to sort of signify the fact that he's holding on to this memory, so he does so this lobotomy doesn't change him. And then you find out two minutes later that he wasn't being lobotomized anyway because he already sabotaged the machine. So they really just put that scene in there to fill time. Oh fuck! <laughs> and, and save a couple million and dollars. Save some money. Save a couple um, million dollars. That's that's why these repurposed scenes are in there. Yes, not because he's like, oh, this is my vision, and I always want to bring them in. It's we don't have enough money. No, no but no. I've got these ready-made things that will cost us nothing yes. to use. Yes, uh, it, well, it's, no, it's admirable it will, economic it, it, it won't cost them nothing because they have to license it from Buena Vista. Yeah, because yeah. Unbreakable, Split, and this are all different distributors and production companies. That is odd. Because Split was oh my god, there'll never be a box set. Split was Universal unless they spend a lot of money to make it happen. True. Split was Universal. Oh god. Yeah. But Unbreakable was Buena Vista. Yeah. Which is Disney owned. Yeah. So they had to negotiate 
with Disney yeah. to get David Dunn into Split. Right. Which means that Glass <laughs> is then a universal Disney co-production because that was Disney's condition for having David Dunn in the Stinger in the end Disney's of condition Split. Was, if you are doing a follow-up, we, we want to be co- involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they would have had to license that footage anyway from Disney. Possibly. So it probably would have still cost them money, but a lot less than another shooting day. Yeah. And cast and sets and location and all that stuff. Um, I mean, you've got... I've, I've got to give it to him. That's economic Blumhouse. filmmaking. It's Blumhouse production. They're not... Blumhouse know, they save know money, how to do stuff on small budget. But it really impacts this film because it is just <clears throat> looks cheap. And again, the big fight in the parking lot... They just throw each other around a bit. He does that dog run from the trailer, mm. and like does that, that once. weird, that weird, almost static shot because it's keeping level with yeah. the car window and of him lifting up the car. Because a lot of this is being framed as if it's being filmed on security cameras. Keep that in mind. Why? So I anyway, think I know where this is going. Okay. So anyway, yeah, yeah. David's failsafe in his cell is yeah. they've got the sprinkler system set up, and there's a big gallon tank, and he's like, if you're trying to escape. Or you're trying to attack anyone, we're going to fill the room and drown you. No. Again, you don't have superpowers. And to prove you don't have superpowers, we're going to use the only thing that would kill you if you were superpowered to threaten you with. Yep. So totally this doesn't um, work already. Also... Like, it would be more intimidating if they didn't have these fail-safes, because then you'd be like, wow, they are really sure another movie, the idea that you guys aren't superpowered. Another moment um, <laughs> where you can tell the movie's really cheap... And I thought it was weird when I watched it, and then when I thought about it, like a few minutes later during the movie, I was like, "Fucking hell!" There, they walk in the cell, yeah, and they're talking to him. And then during the scene where it's like he looks like he's gonna kick off, and it cuts to outside and the water tank, and you just hear the sounds of a pump starting up. Right, cut back into. His cell, shot of water draining from the room, a very wet Bruce Willis, in a very otherwise dry room with the other people still in it. What? So, because they couldn't afford to make the sprinkler system work, they just cut away from it. So they cut away. And they cut back. They chuck a warm bucket of water on Bruce Willis. Yeah. And they go, and action. Yeah. What? It's ridiculous. Anyway, the, the, the fight cut sort of comes to a head. And, um... Uh, uh, there's a couple of, like, riot police come in and try and detain him. And, like, they try and, ke- and, and close in the beast and David and separate him. The beast, like, kills all of the riot cops. Just, like, beats them to death. Um, With his own shoe. David might, like, just literally pushes them across the parking lot into a storage container and then bends a steel bar around the handles of it to keep him safe. Right, okay. Very slowly. Like, not in a, like, impressive way. Just in, like, a... Come on, This is clearly, like, you know... Doesn't look superhuman at all. Um... Then the beast, Elijah tells the beast, he witnesses water, and then they, they they both end up going it. He takes, grabs him, and then they dives into the tank that Phil is supposed to fill David's cell. 
Right. And they're fighting in there, fighting in there, fighting in there. And there's a crack in the thing. And David managed to bust, break the side of the thing and the water all spills out. But he's very weak. Q. Hmm? Alright, this is where it goes tits up. Big time. Big time. Q Mark Wahlberg from The Happening. No. He runs in, he goes, No. The plants, we gotta look out for the What? No. <laughs> um. <laughs> Paul Giamatti comes in, he's like, Hey, that was my new swimming pool water. There was a lady uh, in that water, you little shit. So, and then the water pulls out and, and frightens away some aliens. As all this shit's going down... <laughs> I'm trying to shovel on this. Nope. He does it himself. And we're getting there. We're there. This is the point where he shovel himself. Is there a twist? There's several twists in quick succession. Fucking yes, mate. Um, <laughs> first of all... Uh, the the three sort of sidekicks have turned up. So Elijah's mum, Casey, and and David's son. Right. They've been there this whole time. They're just like what like some stylings. <laughs> Joseph's been doing some research, and he found out who um, Dave, uh, Dave uh, Kevin's father was. Because right. Ke- Kevin's the way he is because of his abuse suffered by from his mother. Like his mother abused him. Yeah, do they we find out that yeah, we see that in split. Yeah, because we see a very brief flashback of her like coming to get him under his bed with a co hanger, and we see another one in this of like her coming up the stairs with a hot iron, like to like burn him and shit. Okay. Um, turns out his father was aware that his mother was ill and was trying to get him away from her. Right. So. He was going to see a doctor. Okay. Because they mention in the in Split, one of his personalities mentioned that his dad left on a train and never came back. <gasps> so you see a flashback yeah. to his dad, him, him, him and his mum, yeah. seeing his dad off at the train station and his dad gets on the train yeah. and then you see him sit down and then it pull, it pans back, 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 back through the aisle and then it merges into the oh, first scene, the scene where you meet David, David and, unbreakable. and he's on the train and it's, it's through the seat in front of him, like the back and forth. So Elijah unwittingly created the beast. Unwittingly created the beast? Yeah, because he didn't know that was going to happen. Okay. But it turns out that <laughs> Elijah killing Kevin's father on that train meant that he could be abused by his mother and then develop DID and then the beast could emerge. Right. And the beast is all like, we thank you. And then like crushes Elijah's shoulder and pits him in the abdomen. Oh! Like breaks all his ribs. Shit. So like fucking Elijah's dying. Yeah. And then he's like, he's a little sickening bit where he, he tries to get up out of his chair, but he can't. Like he gets out of his chair and then just falls to the ground. Oh. So he's he's he falls to his knees and his knees shatter. And oh. it's like just it's just horrible sound mm. design. Um, David's still like trying to recover from the drowning at this point. Beast's going fucking crazy. Casey turns up. Okay. She's been there all the time. Gets it gets Kevin to calm down. Brings him out. Brings him out. Brings him out. Gets the beast to go away. Yeah. Brings Kevin out. Brings Kevin out. And this is Kevin who we met only very briefly in Split. Yeah. Isn't he's in this. He's end? in three yeah. or four times in this. Okay. Um, and he remembers Casey from the end of Split. Right. Um, 
That's the thing, isn't it? Whenever he goes away, he goes away. Like it's yeah. like he's not been there. But she's she's yeah. trying to persuade him. She's trying to reason with him to come back into the light, stay stay in the light because that's what they say when the that person has control. Bang, sniper shoots him. Gut shot, starts bleeding out. Dying in Casey's arms. Different personalities come into the fore. Oh, Kevin manages to take hold of the light and keep it until the end. Kevin's dead. Okay, Elijah, that's Elijah, an interesting way out for that character. Elijah's dying on the ground. His mum goes to him. His mum's like, oh, oh, uh, uh. fucking. <laughs> that's all she says. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, what, oh, oh. We're getting it there. And Ellie comes over to him and he's like, as he's dying, she's like, you should die uh, feeling a sense of fulfillment. You were right. And walks <clears> off. And his mum's like, uh, what, 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 oh, no, I, it wasn't, it wasn't a showdown, what, what were you doing? And he's like, no, it wasn't a showdown, it was an origin story! And she says he's dying. Uh, uh, it, it, so wait, it's his mum's all in on this? No. Oh, right, oh, she's no. sort of like, it's it just him telling her right, that okay. it's not a showdown, it's an origin story. Okay. So... When, um, I'm when, trying to figure out whose origin this is going to be. When Kevin gets shot by the sniper, right. it pulls back and you see a clover tattoo, three-leaf clover tattoo on the sniper's hand. Okay. Then Definitely Blumhouse, right? Yeah. Okay, thank God. Sorry, I just it's, was like, it's not a bad robot, is it? Uh, no, 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 no. Fucking hell. I had exactly the same thought oh after God. the fact. I was like, I wonder. <laughs> um, <laughs> a monster burst out of the floor. <laughs> One of the other SWAT officers goes over, to, goes over to David, grabs him, instead of picking him up, drags him over to a puddle mm. that's been created in the in a, like a pothole in the yeah. in the tarmac, starts drowning him. Oh, again, clover tattoo. tattoo. Ellie comes over to him. Guy's holding his head out of the water. She's like, "I wanted to leave you alone. You were just a normal guy, but you." Just couldn't stop yourself. This is to David. Yeah. Yeah. You need to take my hand now. So he does. And you get the unbreakable. This is the bit where he sees all people's evil that they've done. Hmm. <sighs> Ellie Staples is a member of a secret society identified by these clover tattoos. Uh. Because you see a flashback to them having a meeting in a restaurant. That have known of the existence of superpowered beings and have been keeping them hidden and under control, usually by killing them for the last ten thousand years. And she wanted to pr- to try and convince them that they weren't superhuman, so she didn't have to kill them. But it didn't work, so now she has to kill them all. Oh God! Why are they doing this? Is and they pro- all die. Is it to protect the world? Yes. The idea being that. If super, if we let people with superpowers run around, then it's just gonna become too problematic. So, so we can't. It's just she actually says the phrase, "We can't have gods amongst us." Okay. She actually says that phrase. Right. Cool. Uh, yeah. Interesting idea. Very comic booky. Um, but does, it, does David then die? Yes. Does he drown him? Does he hold him back down in the puddle and yes. kill him? Okay. David, Elijah, Kevin, all dead. Okay. Ellie wipes all the surveillance footage, 
right. destroys all the backups. <clears throat> okay. Gets out to the press. It was just a escape. Mental patient. A mental patient escaped. Some stuff went down. It got nasty. It's tragedy, but it, it ended how it had to end. And, but the film's still going. <laughs> this is the origin story we're about to see then. Fuck. Ellie's like, she has another meeting with her secret society that's okay. been around for 10,000 years, but it's only just been revealed in the last 10 minutes. Okay. Um, of the whole film. And the whole film and the two preceding films before it. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, we did what we had. To- I tried to do it the humane way, but we had to do it the hard way. Oh, well, I'm going to move on to the next city and see if anyone else is popping up there. See, they've been, apparently she goes from city to city, just seeing it when it pops up. And... She's like one of the yeah, better yeah. Pe- better qualified people to do this. Yeah. So. I think she says to David, like, every time one of you appears, <laughs> then your opposite turns up, then another one turns up, and we have to stop it. Fuck, so implying um, that Unbreakable and Split are literally one of a bunch of movie series we're yes. not seeing. Yes. Christ alive. She's in a comic book shop, like, just looking through stuff. Because obviously she has an interest in these kind of things. Mm-hmm. It's part of a professional interest. She overhears two guys talking, and they're like, no, 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 no. That's the thing about the mastermind. He's always got a second plan, and he makes you look the other way. Turns out, there's a bit where, um, oh. earlier on, when, when Elijah's doing the breakout, yeah. Where he goes through the tunnels underneath the hospital the long way round yeah. and gets seen letting them raise the alarm and catch him in the parking lot. Yeah. Instead of just going out the side exit. Right. And you see him also for a minute there's you see him rock up at a computer and start typing stuff. Turns out that he got all the surveillance footage. He basically kept escaping mm-hmm. to make to make them install more security cameras, make it more secure all that stuff that's that's a good and, idea that's a good idea and yeah. he's secretly uploaded all this footage of the fight and all those things to a private server right and it's out there cut to <clears throat> Miss Mrs. Price or Miss Price and all this Elijah's mum in her home all weeping because the son's dead of course she's fucking weeping yeah um ding you've got mail he doesn't say that but it's that it's nice yeah <laughs> Because uh, of course it's not quite that out of touch, and it's like a voice message from Elijah saying, uh, "Yeah, this was the real plan, and it's all the footage, right, from the fight of like the horde flipping the car and David bending steel and him breaking out of his like somehow big well cell. edited, even though it was well just no because because you keep seeing those shots." Right, okay, like, yeah. Keep, throughout that whole sequence, it keeps cutting. Throughout the whole film, actually, once you're in the um, once you're in the uh, Ravenhill, Ravenhill, it yeah. keeps like cutting to security camera feeds, right? Throughout scenes, okay, and then it, and then it bring cuts back to all those shots when it's looking through this footage, right? So, and then you see Joseph get the message, and you see Casey get the message, okay, and then. Then this is how the film ends. This is how the film ends. Are you ready? No. Casey, Joseph, and uh, Miss Price are meeting up in Penn Station. And they're sitting on a bench in Penn Station with coffee. It's like, how long ago did you upload it? 
two hours. Okay. And then all of a sudden people start getting notifications in their phone. And and then there's like hubbub and hubbub and hubbub and and he looks over his shoulder and then Joseph sees someone watching a video of his dad bend that steel round the container doors to Mm. keep the people in. It's like, oh, it's going viral, it's going viral. And then all, all of a sudden... Like you pan as you're panning out, it's the news um, footage change, like the news, uh, um, <clears throat> the news program changing from like whatever it was to oh, this amazing footage of real life superheroes. That's the movie. It ends there. That's where it ends. What? That's where it ends. That, but... That's where the movie ends. I, I, I this this footage, this yeah. footage that is supposed to be. Undeniable proof of real superhumans is the kind of thing you would see on like a YouTube special effects channel. Yeah, like it's it's. So what's probably going to happen in the real world is as soon is, as this will come out, you would look at it viral and go, "Oh, that's kind of cool." You go, "Oh, that's kind of cool," or you go, "Oh, fake." Or, and then a day oh, later, yeah. the Trump administration do some and the Twitter feed gets yeah. filled with that instead. That's what would happen. Because in, none of this what footage a, is like this what is, it's an anti fucking climactic it's not, concept. It's not people flying, or it's like it's a ripped dude lifting a cop car the easy way. Yeah, like he's not lifting it lengthways. <clears throat> he's not like grabbing. He's the grabbing. Roof and he's like he's it grabbing under the driver side door. And yeah, very slowly <laughs> lifting it up with visible strain yeah. and pushing it over. It's. David again very slowly yeah. bending this steel bar around. So had those scenes been directed to be a bit more superhero movie? Yeah, but it's because it's so slow it. and deliberate and boring, <laughs> fucking boring. <laughs> it just has no impact, and you cannot, you cannot seriously expect me to believe that anybody in two thousand and fucking nineteen would watch one of these videos on YouTube and go, yep, that's completely genuine. That's not a special effect at all. Are we living in a universe where there isn't anything comparable to the Marvel movies or fucking Superman from 1979? What would have been a a bigger twist would have been had Elijah already set up connections or a conversation with another individual elsewhere that yeah. was gifted. But no, so it's that just... after that footage comes out, that person then emerges and goes public. Because at least then it's the whole, yes, he died, but now these people are starting to come forward. Well, that's... And that would be that would be a twist ending that's in the, the premise... everything that organisation's trying to stop. That's the premise of the ending. It's too late. That's like... the premise of the ending. But the way it's executed But the way it's executed is... <clears throat> YouTube video on the news. Fucking stupid. And oh it's God. just so... Dull. It takes so long to get there, and then it's like the last 15 minutes is just twist, 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 misdirection. Ah, oh, but really, we were doing this, and and the carrot and fucking Elijah before he dies telling you, well, they thought it was going to be this, but actually, it's this, and this is the bit where you say this, and this is the bit where I say this because I'm the bad guy and you're the good guy, and uh, you're the hero, so you've got to go and save these people. And we thought, even just end on a shot of a kid or an adult or whatever watching that footage, watching on the news, and them going like. Them looking down and looking at the electricity sparking from their hands. The final shot that... of the Last Jedi. Yeah, to have something like that where you see someone going the like, "Final oh, shot of the Last Jedi." I'm That's not alone be. because at least then it's like it is an origin story. Yeah, it's it's that massive visual um, visual indication that yeah, everything the organization tried to prevent is about to be undone. 
Oh my god! It just, it's, like I say, it's the most M. Night Shyamalan-ass M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like, it's a, a series of be. twists, and some of them are interesting, but the execution is so boring. It's so poor. Oh my god! It's gosh. so poor. Everything you've described to me, I'm like, do you know what? Dumb. And I found it sounds like, it sounds like a, it sounds like a fun, interesting time. From an analytical movie kind of standpoint. I just, I just kind of hate the concept because there's nothing interesting with it. Like, killed off his three principal characters at the end with like mm. 25, 20 minutes to go. No. So you could have all this wrap up and then, oh, but they leaked the footage. So now there's going to be superheroes, I guess, maybe? I guarantee you that one of the actors was intended to stick around and not die. Don't and know. during production or when signing on, they went, oh, yeah, this would be... Like, McAvoy clearly would have been like, it's been a lot of fun to revisit this, but it's pretty knackering. Yeah. Two's duck fine for me. Um, you know, Willis is just like, yeah, I'll do it if you pay me, like, $5 million and I only work five days. In fact, that's probably yeah. how many days he had because there was a, something he worked on ages ago where he only... He, he wanted a million... It was Expendables 3, wasn't it? He wanted oh, yeah, a million... He wanted a million... Day, yeah. I think it was, he wanted five million for one day. Yeah. Um, and Stallone said, fuck off. They offered him... At a push, I think they offered him a million. I think they said they'd give him a million for five days. And he went, no. And still, I went, right, well, we're not in the film. Yeah. <laughs> he's you. he's becoming notoriously more and more and more difficult to work with. Which just boggles the fucking mind. And guaranteed, he'll like, have said yes to this because it will have been a big payout, a small work schedule for him. And Shyamalan will have gone, right, I'm going to write in as much as I can. Yeah, because... where Bruce's face doesn't have to be on screen. Apparently he signed on without even reading the script. Yeah, so it's money. So... It's money. You know. But, hey, you know there's lots of stuff where they didn't have to show his face because there's an awful lot... He keeps rain wearing coat. that fucking rain poncho. Yeah. The whole fucking... As soon as... If he can wear that rain poncho, he is wearing Wear that, that fucking rain poncho. Rain poncho. <laughs> um... <laughs> And also by making Glass your title character, I imagine yeah. once he's in it, the focus does shift more to Except him. he takes fucking ages for him to do anything or say anything. Give the guy a break. He's he's drugged up. Oh, you find out later <laughs> he's been faking it pretty much the whole time. Oh, of course. Like, Why is he faking it'll, taking it'll... drugs? Has he so, convinced the old least, like, not administer him? Or is he, like... He must be self-administering because he's got, like, he lifts up the arm of his wheelchair and it's like, he's got all the pills in there. Right. So he's been palming them and replacing them with aspirin from a bottle of aspirin he stole. Okay. But how? Who? How is the? How are these things being administered to him? And surely, when people are pushing him around the facility or whatever, they're going to go. That's a lot of rattling coming from your wheelchair arm. You know. Oh, look, all the pills. You know. <laughs> and um, are there any really good aside from McAvoy, which is a given? Are there any really good performances in it? And you tell the joys. Is a joy <laughs> to watch, even if she, if her character arc is really weird. weird. Like it's almost Stockholm syndrome esque in the fact that she suddenly has this almost intimate connection with someone who tried to kill her. Like fair enough if they really play up the idea of she felt trapped in the way she was prior to Split, and obviously in Split she was yeah. genuinely trapped. And she was, and, clearly... she, and she's now like, I have a way to help someone who is also trapped get out. And like you do get really the sense... Play, they really played that up, but it wasn't a physical thing so much as a, I want to help Kevin. Like, they really make that... Yeah, you do overt. get the sense uh, that she has sympathy for Kevin mm. and the the more... Um, Docile benign personalities. Like, like Even Hedwig. Hedwig. Yeah. Uh, Hedwig and Barry and all that. It, but in this, you also find out that over the course of the last three weeks, out of 
the 23 personalities. Three were already the Horde. Hedwig, James, Hedwig, Dennis and Patricia. Yeah, because they were the yeah. ones communicating in the first yeah. one. You find out that another 10 of those personalities have been brought over to their side. So the Horde is kind of like a cult within him that worships yes. the beast. Yeah. Because, oh yeah, because Pat- they, they... Ellie calls um, <laughs> Patricia the high priestess of the beast. So they, okay. they go with the cult imagery. Okay. Um, Sarah Paulson's fantastic. Sarah Paulson. She's Sarah Paulson. Uh, Tree Spencer Clark coming back as uh, Joseph Dunn is great. Yeah. Right. Um, like the actors are all great in it. Like the actors are not the problem. Well, Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis. What you can do. Like, <laughs> but <laughs> you can tell they didn't have him for long because all of this, like the entire middle hour of that film, where it's all in the fucking uh, institute, and she's trying to convince them that they're not superhuman could have been solved by just sitting down and having a reasonable conversation with David. Yeah. Which they never really do. I mean, right down to her at the end being like, yeah. you could have just, you were a normal guy, you could have stepped up. Like, all she had to do is be like, look, you guys are superpowered, there's an organisation, they're going to kill you because you're superpowered. Do well, me a favour. Do, do me a favour. Just don't be doing your vigilante shit. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're going to do your vigilante shit, don't make it obvious that you're super strength. Yeah. You've got super strength. Cool. Even though he's not Thanks, really, like later. he doesn't really do anything truly spectacularly superhuman. Like he just throws some people around and he's strong. Like he doesn't. What he's saying is, this is a YouTube comic book fan film. Like, think of, think of the. Look at how strong Bane is. He just think, lifted up that bin. Think of the cover of Action Comics One. Okay, so Superman holding up a fucking car above his, his head. head. Yeah. Like they fucking nothing. name check that issue in this film because Casey right. goes to a comic book shop and asks the cashier what the first comic book was. Yeah. Instead of just fucking Googling it. She's looking at this guy behind the counter going, well, in 1922 there were the first collections of newspaper strips reprinted, but then in 1939 mm. everything changed when the main man arrived in Action Comics number. I was like, fuck off. She could have just Googled this. <laughs> Um, is like it even got... a cool cameo playing the cashier or <sighs> no like really really checking your comic book like no. going a few days there I think the comic store that Ellie's in at the end is supposed to be the same one from Unbreakable it looks similar like those neon lights like, and stuff. like yeah neon light like, uh, <laughs> and like sort of dishevelled and just lot wrapped tables of long boxes long boxes mm. and like 90s Jim Lee X-Men posters on the wall and shit um, oh, so like we want to make sure people know it's the original by making it look like we're still in the late nineties. Yes, like, um, even though the shop would definitely have changed or gone out of business by then. Yeah, too right. It would have been um, more real if she'd showed up and be like, "Oh, it's a deli now." So not only do they never, <laughs> oh, it's a Starbucks. The closest they, get, oh god, the closest they get is the group therapy session that you see in the trailer. Yeah, which isn't actually that long, but she has she, she does sort of have a back and forth with him, um, and be like. Well, you know, you you don't do anything that's overtly superhuman, and you, you do drown easily. Like you, you don't do well with water. And what about your 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 ability to detect e- evil deeds? Like that's just intuition. That's just cold reading. Yeah, it's your gut instinct, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and and he pushes back on that. He's like, picks up a raw shark test of just a dude with a twirly mustache and a cloak. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is this evil? He's evil. No, yeah. he's a magician. He, he he's pushing back on that. He's like, <laughs> no, no, that that chain of reasoning that you're that you're explaining is like what a mentalist does. That's 
not how it is. That's not how it appears to me. Aye. <clears throat> but that's the closest they get to having that. Because when she... <laughs> they probably <laughs> think this is really clever, but when they first come in, when they first bring David and um, Kevin into the, into the institution, it keeps cutting back to... <clears throat> it does this shot-reverse shot thing of Kevin, Ellie explaining something. David, Ellie explaining something. Kevin, Ellie explaining something. David. So every time she finishes a sentence, it cuts back and it's a different one. She's talking to the other one. Okay. And it's just... Like, yeah. A very good script could make that interesting. But it's just not shot interesting. Like, like the colour palette of the film looks nice, but a lot of the composition is just really dull. Mm. And it's the thing of, he doesn't do a lot of shot reverse shot over the shoulders. It's a lot of wides with everyone in it mm. or single camera pan 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 dialogue it, which was clearly made to minimize the amount of setups yeah i was gonna say like, he, like, he, he, he does use that panning single camera thing in a few he does it songs. in the in early in unbreakable he does yeah. it with it because that whole scene where david's trying to flirt with the woman on the train yeah is is shot as if it's the kid watching it from the seat in front because it keeps panning back and forth. Um, but that doesn't happen that much through the rest of Unbreakable. It happens fucking constantly here. Do you think the studios love him because he has that um, ability to reduce I shooting think days and things like that? Because he's definitely, he's definitely talented. It's just his storytelling is... It's just... Kaput. I honestly think it is a, a uh, extension of just being poorly planned and executed like it's okay. not particularly well done in any sense really done um, very good um, <laughs> it, it's just so frustrating it's yeah. such a frustrating movie and if you have the means to go and see glass just go and see it for the just to try and get your head around why they made the decisions. It is one of those films where you take it to someone and you go, okay, this is how you want to make a film. Don't make any of these decisions. <laughs> Don't make these cinematography decisions. Don't use these angle and shot compositions. Don't use these narrative devices. Don't have characters explain the narrative devices that you're using while you're using them because you think you're clever. It's not as clever as you think it is. Stop it. Stop it now. I don't <laughs> care if it is Samuel L. Jackson saying it. <laughs> Also, deconstruction of comic book tropes in movies was was new in 2000 when Unbreakable came out. It's 19 years later. There's been an, an adaptation of Watchmen. There's been an adaptation of Kick-Ass. Heroes has been and gone. The fucking Marvel movies are self-aware. This is not... Not only is this retreading old ground at this point, but it's doing it in a really boring, uninteresting way without the benefit of a recognisable property to leverage off. It is the least interesting way you could posit a deconstruction of superhero tropes in 2019 with the pop culture being where it is. And it's garbage. It's just bad. It's bad. It's just bad. Anyway, should we do an email or two? Yeah, sure. Uh, 10 out of 10 then? Yeah.
<laughs> Worst movie ever. Um, <laughs> it's not good, mate. It's not. It's not good. I don't care what anyone says. Oh, now I'm going to have to dig them up the other two. I'm and have a trilogy, sorry. Have I'm a sorry, Mark Kermode. It's not good. I don't care what you say. Um, Mark Strong. Yes, but Mark Strong. Okay. <laughs> okay. Did we get to this one last week? Um, I don't think we did last week. I think last week was a quietie. Okay, yes. Uh, this one comes in from Lewis. Hello, Lord. He says, Hey up, Chris and Matt. Hey up, uh, I hope you both had a good Christmas slash New Year. Lots of things have happened, it seems. Yeah, that's... It's, yeah. We're still getting New Year stuff. It's the end of January, nearly. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's been long. Um, it's been a long, it's been a long year already. Uh, Doctor Who has been and gone, and I really, really loved it. Yes. Uh, it was really just what I needed from this show at this point in time. It's a shame that a lot of fans haven't enjoyed it, but I can see why. Uh, I find it slightly. Maybe you can see it the same way David Duncan see evil. Yes, uh, I find it slightly worrying, however, that I can't find the complete box set on DVD or Blu-ray anywhere in stores. Every supermarket I go to aren't stocking it, and neither are HMV, which is odd. Well, I'm honestly surprised there are HMVs still at this point. Um, when series ten, you don't usually survive your second plunge into bankruptcy. Um, when series ten came out, I managed to find that bloody everywhere. Couldn't move for the piles of series ten box sets <laughs> in supermarkets. I think that's telling you everything, yeah. really, isn't it? So to have the complete opposite of that that for this series is strange. Let me tell you about a thing called supply and demand. Uh, the lack of box sets selling last time probably means those places aren't stocking too many this time. Yes. Uh, I was um, in Morrison's last week. And you poor soul. The series, uh, I went for a brekkie. You poor soul. Oh, the brekkies there are amazing. Last time I went to the, the cafe in Morrison's, it took 40 minutes to get, nearly an hour in fact, to get for a reals? on toast. Yeah. I think they must have had like, like not enough staff or whatever because it was just, yeah, it was fucking crazy. Those breakfasts are deadly though. <clears> they are deadly. But uh, I went in last week um, and they had the Series 11 DVD box set. They had one one copy of it in for £30. But they have those sort of shelves where they can only fit like two DVDs on yeah. the shelf. Because they, really they have small. it all locked up in a box or something like... Some, yes, they sometimes have like the packet one. But, but the way the shelves are, it's like you can fit like two DVD boxes yeah. on the shelf. It's really odd. But I think it's because they don't sell DVDs as much as they do other things. No. So, obviously, someone just walks down the aisle, goes, oh, we've got a gap there, pops back into the stock room and brings out... Mor- Morrison's has never really been a, a... Of the supermarket chains, they've never really been one that's had a focus on, like, entertainment or tech This or one used to. Do you remember it had a separate section yeah. for yeah. it? Yeah, it used to have a, a dec- decent-sized uh, thing for it, but... No. Um. I remember it because I, that was where I saw the abomination that was the VHS copies... Of the extended Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, jeez. They released yeah. those on VHS. Oh, my God. You could club a baby seal with those. Fuck, yeah. Um, <laughs> also, also, as I write this, I've just watched Ghost Stories after you two spoke so highly about it. Hey. Yes, like this. I loved it. It was such a clever <laughs> film and was genuinely terrifying. Yes. I'd never seen the play, but the film was simply mesmerizing, and I'm so glad I decided to watch it. Now it's on Netflix in the UK. It is, you know. It is, is it? as well. Beautiful. I just, um, I just got the Blu-ray. I think oh, that's about it. it. Bye bye. <laughs> you like having Blu-rays of things. So that's true. And also, works. also, uh, it got a wider DVD release than it did a Blu-ray one. And what annoyed me about that was the Blu-ray came with a digital copy, and like five featurettes, whereas the DVD came with just like a featurette. 
Yeah. So I wanted the Blu-ray, but the Blu-ray, because it was limited release, was like £25 for ages. It went down to 17 quid on Amazon last week, so I bought it. I was like, yes, get in my basket, son. Wonderful thing about the in Blu-ray. in my basket. Wonderful thing about the Blu-ray. The What's sleeve that? is rever- reversible. And it's a dark colour instead of a light one. It's got all the weird spelling errors and tweaks that all the marketing had. Mm. And Lucy was looking at it and she spotted there's a hand on everyone's shoulder somewhere in the picture. That's really subtle on the reverse sleeve. You know, like in the bit in the, the stage show where you see like the eye in the, mm. behind the legs. It's like that kind of subtle. It's like, oh, that's brilliant. Even the Blu-ray box is trying to freak me out. This is great. They they really go down, really go hard on that stuff. It's it's a treat. They they just layer it up and layer it up. And you can tell it's made with a passion for that kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that kind of material. That kind oh, of creepy. Jeremy thing. Dyson, Andy Dam, and they love. It. And again, the yeah. film is a different telling of it. Yeah. Than the stage show. Yeah, yeah. In many ways, so I would encourage uh, dear Lewis to go and see the stage revival if possible yeah. this spring into if summer. If you can. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see it, but if, if, if you can... Yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out have a look. possibly how... I think it's going to I think it's going to, have to be like uh, a ticket lottery thing or try and pick a, a matinee on a day where we can all kind of get that day off and just go down and see it so it's a cheaper run, maybe. Um, but it's so it's so freaking good. Dewey, Dewey, Goodman, Mummy, Fucked a Dog, Shit. Which plays awkwardly <sighs> in every iteration of it. Yes. And it's just there to make you feel a false sense of comedy for a moment before it really starts to fuck with you. God, I love it. I love it so much. It's Ugh. great. It's great. Tom! Daddy? Ugh. Monte! <gasps> Not Tomias Montiu, Greg. Gets Mar- us on the old emails and says... <laughs> on the old emails? On the old emails. Okay. And says... Dear Chris and Matt... Five fans, the final video is a beauty to behold, but I'm also very sad to see it go. Stop. What is your all-time your favourite upload by Five Who fans? Stop. Chris, is there anything you can say about the relaunch in May? Stop. <laughs> I'm not going to do that the whole email. Um, the relaunch in May. What is your all-time favourite upload by Five Who fans? Oh, um... The Male Doctor. I, Hands down. Hands down. The Male Doctor is pretty phenomenal, isn't it? Um... I'm torn because there's so many I love. I'm a little biased. I really, really like Once Upon a Time Lash, The Crimson Zone, but that's just because it's a weird little short film with you and me doing The Twilight Zone. We had fun fun doing it. Which is a really sort of... It's just odd that it's like a program that I love. I made a version of it with two lovely friends and a ventriloquist doll, and there it is. That's no way to talk about Dan. He wears a suit man, <laughs> um, and sits on my lap. Um, so, oh. But I also, yeah, I, I also really freaking love um, the male dogs. That is, yeah, that is just a phenomenal piece of work. It's not because it's not. Not only is the initial sketch brilliant, it's the it's just Billy and Joel's explaining the sketch, yeah. explaining <laughs> the sketch, explaining the sketch. Just that how mm, mm, I, I liked seeing how far that rabbit hole they went. Have I done that one? The Big Lie is another one I really like. Mm. Wake up! (laughs) Man Time, the original Doctor Who. Fanfic. Uh, Naked of the Doctor, yeah. Um, Clothes Maker of the Madame. There's there's, there's loads. Clothes Maker of the Madame is so good! There's loads. The entirety of it's never Omega. How to Listen to Big Finish. Um, there's oh, there's loads of them. Just anything where Livy's basically told to talk, like the, the basically the videos, just, which, which is basically the videos where it's Livy just sat with Billy and Crystal, mm. and they're just 
giving her titles and she's presuming what the story's about. <laughs> Whatever Libby's on a tangent, it's so much fun. Um, so yeah. Uh, uh, what were the questions? Um, is there anything you can say about the relaunch in May? <laughs> He's saying that because um, four of us had dinner the other night and we posted a, a fake clip where we were discussing starting a relaunch uh, in May called it's Five a, Primeval Fans. It's a fake clip. It's, it's a fake Tom. clip, Tom. It's a, people, it's a fake clip. People who go, why is that camera rolling? Turn it off! Don't let it blow in the foot. <laughs> it's over. It's over. It's done. It's over. It's David done. Just let it go. But the channel will remain so you were able to watch its entire um, legacy from now until the end of time. I, I've, also, I've also asked the lads if... if uh, you don't mind us starting just like a, a, a flashback Friday recurring thing on oh, social yeah. media, just posting the the old vids, so that if people are missing it, they can get a random one recommended to them every Relive Friday. To check out your greatest moments. Um, <laughs> Twitch presents by Who Fans. I recently started the US version of The Office, and I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would, Please. considering it's a rip off of the original UK version. Well. I got well, in, I got into it well, because of you because you started well, me on it mid season um, two. Tom asks, "What have you seen either versions? If so, what's your preference? What are your thoughts on U.S. versions of British shows in general?" Okay, so the great thing about the U.S. <laughs> Office, yeah, is only the first season is a rip off of the UK version. Yeah, the second season they change the format. They cut the episodes in half. They give the background characters more to do, and they they make the sort of American versions of the British characters more their own people. Yeah. Like Dwight um, series one is very different from Dwight yeah. the rest of the show. Yeah. And that's when it becomes a really good show. But yeah, the first... My, my advice to anyone who, who wants to watch the US, US Office, and they should because it's great, um, is just skip season one. You don't need to see it. It's yeah. dog shit. Um, just jump in at season two. Don't. And especially because after that point... It's definitely not a remake anymore because yes. several times they acknowledge the existence yes. of the UK office yes. and David Brent makes two appearances um, in the show. Which brings me to the the point of uh, the US version of The Office is my favourite because fuck off Ricky Gervais. <laughs> um, I, I like the original but... Um, but fuck off Ricky Gervais. <clears throat> but for, for me it's the American one because the beauty of the American one is... I know people say the Faulty Towers rule is why the original survived so well because it's just like two series and then done. But um, what's nice about the American ones is so digestible because it is twenty-two yes. minute episodes. Yeah, yeah. That you you're like, oh, I do want a bit more, and you can have more because there's if you're not counting season one, a further eight seasons of it and, to enjoy. And from apart from his brief appearance, it doesn't have Ricky fucking Gervais in it. Um... <laughs> and also, it survives beyond its quote-unquote main character. Yes. Michael Scott leaves the show. Steve yes. Carell leaves the show and yes. it carries on for another like three seasons and is still excellent. Yes, I have not watched that far. I'm not, I've, I've the guest stars they get are amazing. Yeah. Like, James for, for, Spader does it for a bit, doesn't Spader it? Spader does it for a bit. Idris Elba, Catherine Tate, <sighs> Will Ferrell, like a few people dip in and fill that role for a while and you excellent. get a few more guest stars who are people who are interviewed for it. There's a wonderfully odd cameo from Jim Carrey. <laughs> That is just like, what is this? It's so funny. It's one of those where you go, no, hang on, can we see more of that? What and the fact that they never gave you more of it made it better. Because it was like, what What was that Finger Lakes guy all about? What the fuck was that for? <laughs> it's great. He comes from the Finger Lakes and he just keeps talking about it. So um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on US versions of British TV shows? In general. Uh, I've not watched many. They are um, bad, usually. But, but the majority of them, yeah, the majority of them, I think with the exception of The Office and 
shameless, the majority of them die on their arse very soon well, I into think... it. Probably because the translation's too literal. Yes. Well, you watch that first season of the US Office, they've literally just remade the yeah. British episodes with different names and American accents. I mean, with the same like grad- gradient. Yeah. And, and like Carell's made to look a little bit more disheveled. Michael Scott is a more unhappy, tragic character rather than the the, the almost cartoony individual he is later. Yeah. Because later he's cartoony but with pathos. Yeah. Early on he's just sort of grumpier version of David Brent. Yes. I mean, they, they even like thin out his hair. They try to make him look yeah, really miserable. It's, it's, and it's, you know... It's so odd. You don't have to bring everyone down to your level, Ricky. Just don't be a cunt. There we go. Don't be a C. Don't be a C. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so like Red Dwarf was a pilot. Ooh, died. I've seen little clips of that. It's ooh, bad. There's two pilots for it, but only one of them, I think, is the one that does the rounds. Yeah. Um, IT Crowd did a pilot. Doesn't work the same. Well, both Red Dwarf and IT Crowd kept one of the British cast members. Yeah, which is really odd. Uh, being human didn't work really, and I think they then I think they then renamed it and it became somewhere else, but it, it just yeah. didn't do the same as be, being human did. Um, because it wasn't wasn't Elementary originally going to be a quote unquote American remake of Sherlock, and then they just realised possibly then they just realised no, let's just do a procedural using Sherlock Holmes as a basis. Why do we need to remake the? the British TV show Sherlock when we can just do our own Sherlock Holmes. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, eh, like, eh, I just, in a world, in a world where these shows are already sh- like screening in, in America, like, why bother? Do you know what I mean? It's not like America don't like British sensibilities. If you're having to mm-hmm. recontextualize it because you don't think Americans will buy it, don't make it. Make something else. Make something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hence why the Office Series 2 onwards works better, because it becomes the American version of that format. Yes. Not an American remake of it. When The it only thing that carries over its own thing, yeah, is, is the um, Jim and Pam, Tim and Dawn thing. Yeah. That's the only similar thread from Series 2 onwards that also, carries you over, You get to really. follow that out further. Yeah. Um, you get to explore it more. <clears throat> the ambiguous ending in the original is nice, but, like... It's getting to go on that journey in the American one is is sort of more satisfying uh, in the long run. There. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Finally from Tom. <gasps> Not Tom. We've got, we got another email after this as well. Uh, you spoke about the new Ghostbusters last week. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on what Leslie Jones had to say about it on Twitter? Oh, what did Leslie Jones have to say about it on Twitter? So insulting. Like, fuck us. We didn't count. It's like something Trump would do. Trump voice. Gonna redo Ghostbusters. Better with men will be huge. These women ain't Ghostbusters. Uh, so annoying. Such a dick move. And don't give a fuck I'm saying something. <gasps> oh, well, Leslie's just burned about 80,000 bridges. Yeah. She's in trouble. Great. Um, Here's I... the thing. Again, coming mm. from the John Bernthal POV that we spoke about earlier. Leslie, you're a cast member in a film. That film... Tried to be progressive, for sure, in the film landscape. Yeah. It was not a good movie. No. no. Like, um, it didn't make money. And ultimately, regardless, because opinion is subjective, but like, and we, I mean, we enjoyed it. We had fun. 
Um, like, I've rewatched it since, and like it's not. It's oh, not no. aged well. Oh no! But there's there's still there's still stuff in there to love. It wasn't a complete shit fest, but as a film, it's a terrible execution. And ultimately, the bottom line is it didn't make the money, and because it didn't make the money. Another one is not going to be made. Yeah, it's, it ain't going to happen. Now, the uh, studio want to do something with that property, and Jason Reitman has a take, and the studio gone, yeah, let's do it then. And it just happens to not be in the, you know, the the, the 2016 continuity. Yeah. I, that tweet was a reply to something, but I can't find the original tweet. They probably deleted it then, the original one, because they were getting notifications. That, that tweet is replying to... Uh, yeah, Sarah Bill's Mafia, Paul Feig, Melissa McCarthy, and Sony Pictures. But I can't. It's probably from a fan, then. It's probably one of those is probably a fan, I'm assuming, that's tweeted it. Uh, yeah. Like, and they, I they're, can't. they're sick of the responses. They've either blocked, they've either made their profile private or they've um, deleted the tweet. Yeah, I think it must be because that is. I think she's. I think she's made a big ass boo boo there. Really, like that's really really bad because if Sony then turned her, if this film does really well. And Sony then decided, you know what? We're going to fucking merge them. We're going to Ghostbusters universe it or whatever. Like, if they then go back to that plan that they originally had of yeah. having multiple franchises, they're not going to ask Leslie back. No. That's, she's really well, shot herself Well, Paul Feig's, um, expressed interest. He's standing, he's, he's, he's backing her. Um, really? What's he saying? Yeah, he says, an absolute honest to God, never ending supply of bullshit and hate from these trolls. Oh. Lovely spoke her truth and I support her. I'm very open to Jason's new version of GB, but I'm also sad that our 2016 team may not get to bust again. We all are. We're forever proud of our movie. So what he's saying is, I agree with her, but I'm not going to say what she said because that was really stupid. I think, <laughs> what he's basically I, I saying, think she's saying, I love Leslie and I understand where she's coming from. I think she's conflating um, the internet troll desire the for a new Ghostbusters movie with like Hatred, hatred of women. The, of women, like it's no. Like I don't. Well, we know from the casting call information that's gone out for this that yeah. the leads are uh, uh, confirmed: one male, yeah, two female. It sounds like they're doing strangery, Stranger Things esque things with it. Yeah, almost. which I don't, which I don't hate. Mm. We'll see. That teaser that came out after we recorded last week was really nice. Yeah, that short teaser, like it's so well shot, and it again, it it's it's teasing a story. And a story that we don't have any confirmation on yet, but it's like we have an idea, so that's kind of cool. Um, and it's also spooky. It's not coming out of the gate and being goofy as fuck. It's a spooky tone to that teaser. Yeah. Which is kind of why the original Ghostbusters works so well. It's a comedy, but it's it's played straight. But also, you can't. It, it's just such a confluence of things that came together to make that movie what it is that you can't can't do it again. Yeah, oh god, you're lightning in a bolt. Yeah, I, I, I'm, part, I'm part of a very small, I've found out since the internet became a thing, yeah. uh, sect of Ghostbusters fans who enjoys number two. I like Ghostbusters too, yeah. We're in a very small club, apparently. Because it's just, they just remade it. Yeah. It's fine. Like it, it, It's a it's a and film. It's a, and yeah. here's some more. Like, it, it's like, not its not its own beast. It's very much a, and, and here's some more. Ghostbusters, answer the call, as I guess it's now officially called. Because uh, go because uh, Paul Feig lists Paul Feig lists it as Ghostbusters ATC in his Twitter bio. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, um, that so the home release those, was a renaming then. Yeah, that's one okay. of those frustrating movies that's like you, you can see there's good ideas in there, but it just gets lost in, in the crappy editing, execution. the bad improv, like like Glass. 
the good, good ideas given get... way too much time. Oh man, that like they needed to trim that right, right, right back because it just kills any momentum the movie tries to build up. The IDW comics have had a crossover story. Yes, they've done a dimensional yeah. crossover story with the two. Yeah, and it was very well received. So. You know, it's not like Ghostbusters as a franchise is completely disassociating itself from the 2016 iteration. I'd love to see another Ghostbusters with the with the Ghostbusters 2016 cast, but not with Paul Feig. Yeah, with or, a, with with Paul, a, or with Paul Feig directing and a very strict script written by someone very, that they stick a, to. A, a, a tighter script, um, a, a good editor, yeah, and a, a director who actually wants to get a horror tell a, story. a horror script writer and Kristen Wiig and sit them down and yeah. go, you write the story, you yeah, write. Yeah, yeah. And that would be great. I'll go for that. Uh, final one comes in from Dan Rawlings, who's going back to a very, very old request we put out there. Ooh, meats. It's been a while since I emailed, so, <laughs> so I'll... Is it to do with meats? No. Oh. Uh, Damn ha- it, Dan or, Rawlings. Or ham sandwiches, for that matter. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I emailed in, so I'll start with my top three classic who eps in no particular order. Ooh, meats. The Five Doctors. <gasps> I love it because it's one of the first bits of Doctor Who I watched and it got me super interested in the show. I was extremely disappointed to find out Hoondal didn't have his own series travelling through the gardens of time and space with his pineapple <laughs> and facing the terrifying threat of Susan lightly twisting her ankle. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes aside, it's a bit shit, boy. It smells good. Um, <laughs> it's how he described it's it. It's a bit shit, but boy, it smells good. That is fantastic. Yeah. Yes! Um, Attack yes, of, Dan Rawling! Attack of the Cybermen. This story seems to be overlooked a bit by a lot of fans. But it was another story that gave me one of my favourite Doctors and made me very interested in the show. I love the chameleon circuit shenanigans, the design of the 80 Cybermen, the sewer scene, and the literally iconic... There you go, Chris. Uh, thick cyber leader. <laughs> Two C's and a Y B E R M E N. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Sea Devils. Okay. A, sto- a story. A story I remember being one of the first I got on DVD and watching the shit out of it. <laughs> At this point, series five was coming out, and I remember being surrounded by new doctors and companions to discover. It's also one of the first that I could pay attention to and understand, which wasn't easy with TV from that era at the age of about nine. And sword fight. Hell yeah. And a ham sandwich. Or whatever the sandwich is. <laughs> I won't bang on about my thoughts on Series 11, but I found it pretty disappointing and really struggled to enjoy it. Shame. Sorry, Dan. Uh, four out of ten. I've noticed I can't summarise and describe the 13th Doctor's character as much as I can for any other Doctor before her. To be fair, it's only been one series so far, and I'm very glad you're enjoying it. If there's anything you would like to see change for Series 12, what would it be? For me, it's more development for Yaz, which I'm sure will happen anyway. More development for Yaz! Absolutely. Uh, a couple stories where it is either just the Doctor or the Doctor and one of yes. one of the, the crew. Split the groups up a bit. Uh, just to give the Doctor a bit more, like you say, character time. Because yeah. the minute her energy is what is so uh, appealing about her. We don't know much about her as a person. Yeah, that, that Doctor's personality is not very well defined Well, yet. I don't know. I feel like we get, we've got a good sense of it now. But I get why people think that. Yeah, like there's... Um, there's, there's there's different types of scenarios. It'd be nice to see her play off against so we could see how she'd react to them, really. Thank you. No, thank you. Big damn half sandwiches. Damn. <laughs> um, thanks for your emails, folks. Thanks for listening to this uh, this lengthy podcast. I had a lot to say about Glass. Um, I'm glad you did. I was fucking brilliant. Uh, I felt like I was listening to an episode of Big Damn Cast, which is great because I could just listen back to this. At some yeah, point. now you can just relax. It's, uh, yeah. Um... 
just turn off, sit back, and relax. Uh, th- uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode, and join us next week for more. Do we have a topic for next week yet? Uh, don't know if we've got a defined one. Okay, well, let's leave that. it up to the gods. Um, I'll uh, I'll get the altar ready. You sharpen the blade. Okay. As always, at Big Damn Cast on Twitter, bigdamcast.gmail.com. Uh, come along and watch Adventures and Backlogging yeah. on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv forward slash Big Damn Stream. Uh, at the moment, every tune. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, it's the altar. No, it's got, it's got wheels on. Oh. Um, just oh. pop the brakes. Oh. Um, uh, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, uh, if we're not live, it'll be on YouTube. Keep an eye on the Twitter. Also, keep an eye on the Twitter. I'm going to be putting up a poll soon to decide the next Adventures in Backlogging game because <gasps> I'll be done with Yakuza 4 soon by the, by the looks of it. Um, <laughs> not if the cutscenes have anything to say about it. God. <laughs> oh, just want to just want to walk around Camarocho. But now it's raining and I can't do anything. I can't go in the batting centre. The indoor baseball batting centre because it's raining. What? Just pass that. Just pass that. Um, what? Because if you don't do this deal with what's in the mirror dimension before the rainfall, it's not a different franchise. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye. See you in space.